0: война ты спросишь тяжело ну да а ты как-то держись моя любимая страна обязательно встретимся возле большого костра Украине
1: I had only one question in my head like Am I gonna wake up tomorrow or i gonna be dead
0: Вам не понять будем воевать тут никто не боится даже I see the faces of my friends and family and the faces of these people on they're ordinary people that didn't ask to go through this, but they're stepping up in a major way.
1: Non-stop, amazing patriotism and rallying to take care of each other. You see here in Ukraine, it's unbelievable. The rise of autocracy is is the end of us. It's the end of us all over again. These are all the conditions that created World War
0: II. They already changed forever. are kids of war, they will remember For the end of their life. Only the people who went through this occupation will understand the feeling. No electricity, no water, no food, no money, but the main thing no Russian. (laughs) We don't care all the rest as soon as there's no Russian.
1: I'm really looking forward to everyone having the opportunity to hear this conversation. This is me sitting down with Brandon Mitchell. Uh, he's he's a guy I have a ton of respect for. He's been here since pretty much the beginning of this invasion over a year and has made a serious impact. I mean, he's, he's done some great work. You may already know him as Ukraine underscore TBIC on uh, YouTube or Instagram, but this conversation is not a production by any means. Uh, this is two guys who were busy doing our work that we're doing at the front and took an afternoon break to sit in the front seats of my vehicle with a couple microphones in the cup holder, uh, and just talk for the better part of three hours almost, uh, just about life here and, and, a, and about his vision and about his story. So I highly, highly recommend that you stick it out to the end. Uh, one of the things I love about the guy is how transparent and authentic he is, and uh, he does not disappoint in this this podcast episode. So, so yeah, let's uh, let's get to it.
2: So, what, what town was it that you said that was? You actually got everybody out of that. Uh, well, they did eventually, uh, but I guess everyone had a hand in that. Kordumivka uh, and if you drive south of Bakhmut, on I guess what's called the E forty on a map, it'll lead to Mayorsk. And that's where what's called the demarcation line is. Mm. So during the old war when they when they actually made borders, before you go there, you would you'd be driving south and you'd you'd hook a right uh, back west to this little town uh called Kurdumivka. And and then the Russians eventually took Klishkivka and now they're pushing towards Ivanivsky, but we're we're kinda of holding wow. there. Uh, yeah, I was in that Klishkivka defense. That's what we were doing in December. Mm, I was I was working there in December, January, not in Klishkivka, but on the three hundred point four, um, mm. because uh, it was uh, a lot of them would come to me, and then I would uh, because the only time they're doing Kazovac now, unless they're desperate uh, with four wheel drives like soft vehicles, is like the Force in Kremena. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if you know Swampy, he actually had a big part in, in clearing those Kazakh
1: routes. I was bummed I, su- I just saw that he went back to the States because I wanted to do one of these with him too. I haven't actually met him, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of mutual contacts and everyone was like, you need to do one of these with Swampy.
2: He, he was a role model to me. He's the reason I started social media because I realized I'd go broke if I didn't. Well, let's start uh, Sure. with you, man. Let's get to know
1: you. Let's talk about like prior to coming over here. You're, mm-hmm. You said you're from Canada. Yeah. What was your backstory in Canada prior to any of this? All
2: right. Um, so I grew up in a small town called Mermachine, New Brunswick. Um, small little place, about 15,000. Uh, and, uh, there's not much chance there for, um, um, there's not many opportunities, you know, I had, uh, you could join the army, you could st- Maybe go to university. or You could sell drugs. So I uh, I was in the cadets as a kid, then joined the army reserve, and I and I sold a bit of drugs, and um, when I was when I, I quit school, uh, I was a dropout, and um, eventually, because Afghanistan was probably in a, in a few I don't know we're we're talking like two thousand four. Um, there was all these contracts for reservists to fill in all the regular roles like full-time full-time contracts you know not just your your one night a week uh, one or two weekends a month so so yeah basically um my platoon sergeant who's like an old regular soldier who like he gets that posting mm-hmm. i really looked up to him um and he said uh, i've got a contract for you and you can go to gage town and i think you should take this because you're not going anywhere you know you you, you keep going the way you go you, you'll be in jail and um yeah so i did that um from from 17 till 19. i was i was a i was a full-time reservist uh and i i worked at the the infantry school so where the where basically from sergeant and beyond would all go there uh for, for leadership courses and uh I did a lot of things. I learned a lot of things there. I learned a lot about, uh, in support roles, about comms. Uh, Comms was a big thing, uh, like running a command post. Um, And I was also, one of my things that I started volunteering for, augmentee, uh, because you have to have troops to lead, right? But as as they'd fail, and the failure rate, I think, was about 60% for platoon commander's course. Um, What was your role there at the school? uh, um is purely support staff you'd spend to whatever course was running they'd need so many people and there was like a, there was just like a manpower pool and uh you could you could literally do any course you know so if you're working on support staff i could learn a bit of this a bit of that um but the augmentee was the one everyone dreaded because 50 50 candidates uh for a platoon commander's course a uh, light infantry role uh, it's a hard course, and um, then they'd be down to like forty people, thirty people, twenty. So they'd put, they'd basically put bodies in in all those roles: defensive, offensive, gotcha. hasty attacks. Um, and and it was really brutal. When I just on just on a ten day exercise, I could lose four kilos, five kilos, and I used I used to do that because I thought that would make me tough. No, did you? be honest here, did you take a little bit of pride in every time you got to knock one of those uh, sergeants out of the school? Well, well, they were all officers. Uh, The only difference was, and it depended on the platoon warrant, who was like a a platoon sergeant who was running the course, Uh, it depended if he was a dick or not. Uh, Augmentees might or might not have to do push-ups, might not have to do the run down the road. Uh, You might not have to partake in the discipline. But everything else, I took, I, yeah, I did take a pride in it. Um, there's a lot of pretension if you're an officer. And um, a good junior officer will talk to you as an equal. But I, yeah, I, a lot of them were real pricks. So there were some very good ones, but there were some pricks. Yeah. Well, it's the same in the U.S. military, which is why I asked that question. I I, love, I loved seeing some of them get yeah, chopped. Yeah. And it's like, and then they say, oh, maybe infantry is not for me. And they have to write a letter. Cause they always had to write a request letter for a transfer. Uh, what's your MOC? And they all a lot of them win artillery, but until I came to Ukraine, I never had respect for artillery. <laughs>
1: now
0: I've got a, got lot a of whole respect. new
2: respect. Um, how long did, were you at that
1: school? Uh, I was there for two years. Um, so essentially, you got
2: to take leadership training for two straight years i i was too young and stupid to process it but yeah. when i got older i had a lot of time to think about what i actually knew if, draw from that, that experience sense. yeah but i i had a chance to join the british army um and that was to me i read all i don't know if you know who andy mcnab is he's kind of like uh, bravo two zero he um yeah a lot of american shame you don't know about those books but that was my idol about a patrol that got bumped in iraq and escape and evasion. Uh, one guy made it 300 clicks to Syria. You know, three got killed, few got captured, the one that got away. So so I was obsessed, yeah, the British Army, the British Army, and- then, Do you have family in Britain? Uh, yeah, I do, um, but I'd never been before. Um, like distant relatives that I didn't even know. Not that that was a big factor. Um, but then I, I worked with, uh, with the Royal Marines. Uh they were coming over with us on, on on sniper concentration. So everyone was from all around the world. When when you're a young kid and, and you haven't been anywhere and you see you see guys from New Zealand, from America, from mm. everywhere, and, and I wanted to get some, you know. Yeah. Um and he's like, Yeah, you, you could join the Black Watch. Uh Corporal Ambrose is is from Montreal. This captain was from South Africa. That blew my mind. I said, "You mean I can actually join?" Walk me through that. What's the Black Watch? Black Watch is, uh, is a Scottish infantry regiment. It, it's uh, and Black Watch means shit job, and you're American, and they have a feather in their hat, which in their tam which is red, and it symbolizes American blood uh, during during the American Insurrection or the War of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the War of Independence, but. But they say they can boast, there's no battle honour for it. You know, battle honours, there's no battle honour. We can boast no pride for we fought our kith and kin, our brothers. Um, But yeah, to join the Black Watch was like, holy shit. And uh, yeah, I I did go to Northern Ireland briefly. Um, uh, The training was a lot more brutal and harsh, the discipline, than in Canada. Punishment could be physical. Um, which was unheard of in Canada at that time, but um, eventually my old life caught up with me, and I, I, not even my first year, I got, um, I failed a piss test, and they did everything they could to keep me in the army right up, right up to the major, you know, from sergeant major to everyone ever talk with me, but um, I was broken mentally, like, like I went home one Christmas and I basically sex drugs and rock and roll for like two weeks like I like you never imagine and I, anyway I got out of the army uh in in 2007 and uh, at the time it was the biggest regret in my life I did they wanted me to stay but i I couldn't I couldn't explain to you what was going on inside of me um and I fell into a deep depression but it was, it was a drug addict a drug addict that's yeah, all that was.
1: And when you get to those high level commitments and those high speed units too, it has to be your unadulterated focus, like you want nothing more in the world. As soon as there's anything that messes with, well, I don't know if I
2: want this, it's almost over immediately. Yeah. I felt I let everyone down, like I was so ashamed, but I couldn't pull myself out of that. Yeah. Even though they said, No, we wanna mm-hmm. which they would they sling people out of the army for drugs all the time. Yeah, I don't brag up my stuff, but they must have seen something in me. Right.
1: Uh, all right so you go yeah. back to you go back to canada that was my army
2: no i didn't help oh, with that okay. i never went home i stayed in the uk i learned uh, i got a job where in america they called them pitchmen like billy mays was a famous one mm-hmm. you know the sham wow you remember mm-hmm. that so i learned to be a demonstrator work for cash a lot of cash big crowds and oh you would have taken advantage of me that was my thing when i first got back um
1: from iraq i drank a lot mm-hmm. and i had it's infamous with all my friends. It's a big joke. I had a serious problem with buying whatever the hell was being sold at 2 a.m. on the TV. Yeah. Because I would be, dr- I had like six shamwows, seven slap chops, five slim clips, yes. like you name it. I had
2: all those things. A lot yeah, of the yeah. products are actually good shit. Yeah. But um, the people who do that kind of work, they're hardworking, they're ambitious. Most of them are quite honest, but they like to work hard and they like to party hard. And in, at the London ideal home show, which was a month long, every night they'd be down at the pub and they just made 500 pounds, you know, like six, $700. And a lot of them have cash in their pocket. And there was people from America, like Matt, 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 the Marine. He, he was actually in Mogadishu when like Black Hawk Down went down and he's a pitchman. Yeah. Um, so what kind of clients were you working for? Like what, what sort of stuff were you selling? Everything, uh, mops, uh, the, sh- the ShamWow, the chamois as we call it. Um, it dices, it, it slices. So you were the British Chantwell guy? One of them. Um, we'll go ahead and let you have the title. You're the British well guy. That's mm, awesome. There's <laughs> some masters in that in that craft, <sighs> yeah. but they travel from all over the world. So here's a job where I can make cash. I can go to Australia. I can go to Canada. I can go work a state fair. I, I did my job six months in South Africa, you know, just because people knew each other and I could do that. And, um, but it always, it always ended up back in England. And, um, yeah I had a little crash in Australia when I was when I was 25 um, and uh, I went bankrupt and I had trouble with drugs and alcohol and then I found a 12 step program you know about 12 step programs right. yeah and um, I just said you know there's got I didn't want to live but I was like if I, if I am going to live there's got to be more to life than this where are we in the timeline uh we're around we're this? at new years 2011 2012 okay. in Australia and, um, and I went into those rooms and I went to the meetings and, uh, and someone said, come to a meeting tonight, went to a lunch meeting. I went to one tonight. I, I didn't have a job anymore. I lost everything. I, I had about six grand left. That wasn't mine. Long story. Um, but I, I kept going to the meetings every day, every day, every day. Um, and I've done that now for, um, 10 and a half years. I've been, I've been clean and I've worked the 12 steps, uh, help take people through them. I've, I've worked them twice, done, done service. Um, so that's, I, I celebrated, uh, 10 years clean in January. And then the war started in, in February. So you came, when did you come over here? I came here March 16th. Okay. Um, Corona bankrupted my business. I, I built a good life, you know, when I got clean, um, uh, I had I had a good business in the shows, um, met all kinds of new people because I was living a better life. You're talking still doing the pitch, yeah still pitch doing work. It. I went to university in between mm. and stuff, and thought I'm oh I'm going to go do this with my life. Life life ends up the way it does, but Corona bankrupted me, and I, I moved to Sweden with my girlfriend, uh, long distance, I started over again. Had my first job in life, um, you know. But then the war started. Um, after two years in Sweden, and I was having, I was building up a nice life there, but just what I seen on the TV and stuff, this place got a hold of me. Mm. Um, Did you have any personal connection to Ukraine prior? No, uh, I'm a boxing fanatic, so I know about the boxers. I, I had to think about it. I I had like a two day fling with a Ukrainian girl once that I didn't even remember till about six months ago. Yeah, uh, when I was 22. That's actually
1: really funny you say that because. I've always been like, I didn't know anyone from Ukraine prior to this. And then I had the same realization was actually, there was that one girl like 18 yeah. years ago, yeah, for yeah, like yeah, a couple
2: yeah. weeks, but she could have been the, the one that yeah. got away for all I know. You know, well, now
1: that I know what the Ukrainian people are like, I should have locked that down. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, okay. So, so February 24th of last year comes around. You're in mm-hmm. Sweden. You're still with this girlfriend. Yeah. I assume uh, a,
2: bit, a bit messy, a but you know, it is what it is. And then Zelensky asked for volunteers on right. day three. And I, I knew the answer. and um, How'd that conversation go with her? I didn't make it. I just started planning methodically. And, and I became, I, I, do you know about like psychosomatic illnesses? I got like uh, psychosomatically strong, I'm very fit. I was mm-hmm. a stone worker in Sweden. Like to, to work with stone, you have to be strong. Right. And from going doing 30 pull-ups, I don't know what happened within two days at the gym, I could do 50. I didn't sleep. And I thought I'm going to go to Ukraine. I'm going to die, but it's the right thing. What was your intention? Join the army? Join the legion? I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know. Um, I uh, I just knew I had to get to Ukraine. I I found somebody who knew somebody who was was here, uh, an ex Canadian soldier, like an old crusty guy pushing sixty, doing some sort of humanitarian stuff. He, he I think he'd done like before the war, the old war. He'd been mm. doing things here. So someone's like, I don't know this guy, but I know someone who knows him. And I, I got his number and um, I called the embassy. You couldn't call the embassy because they were swamped. Uh, all the Ukrainian websites, I think the hackers were attacking them. If, if, I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember this. Oh, yeah. I didn't even have social media. so I, and, and I hated social media. I said, someone, can you go on their Facebook and write a message for me? Like I, I categorically didn't want social media. And uh, someone calls me up and he says, yeah, there's this thing called Signal. You need to download it i was like okay what's that it's like, it's like whatsapp and we're going to put you in a group chat uh with all these swedes and I'm, I'm talking to people on there and and then um and then all of a sudden like someone's like oh when are you gonna go oh i'm gonna go in march i'm i'm gonna go in may i'm gonna go in april i'll go in june they're never gonna go but there was one guy he he did an anonymous interview on the national news in sweden and he kind of had like a mullet And uh he was an ex cop he quit the police force uh to come and he, he did an anonymous interview. But I got chatting with him on that group chat and signal. Um I've I've chatted to a lot of people in Ukraine that I don't know on Signal. Um and we got talking on a video call and I just looked at the hair and I said, You're that guy, aren't you? And he says, They're not going, none of them. He says, Yeah, I'm going. I said, You're going. And I said, well, let me confirm a few things in the next couple of days because I, I I don't want to ever make a promise or let you down, and uh, I did what I had to do, but five of us from Sweden uh, we all met in Krakow, uh, I think on the it was on the fourteenth of March, and um, God, that's a story on its own. Like maybe you know yourself do you, do you do you remember all that pent up? Like what are we going into, bro? Crossing the border? my favorite thing to talk to people about
1: who came over in March last year yeah. is that moment of like getting ready to come what your expectation was. Yeah. And then what reality was. That's oh my, God. Yeah.
2: Like if you, yeah. if you'll humor me on this. Oh no,
1: I want you to tell the story. So I'm,
2: I've taken a lot of pride in this and I'm very short with people here who say, oh, I want to come to Ukraine. And it's like, well, you don't be here. you Asshole. Um, but like when we were at the, when we were in Krakow, I didn't want to kill no one with my skill fade or my lack of skills. Cause I wasn't a special forces underwater knife fighter, you know, like, and there's a lot of them here. And, uh, so these guys, yeah, we were all, this is what we did in the army. This is what we did. You've been to Afghanistan. He's done this. He hasn't had any tours, but he's like fresh out yesterday, you know, um, a combat medic. And I was like, wow, these are, these are pretty high speed guys. Um, I don't, I don't have any business with them and uh we were like when are we gonna cross when are we gonna cross i get a phone call yeah there's a guy at the border he's ex-british army a friend of a friend it's all fucked up and they're coming back to krakow and i was like whoa um like this was a mind blower and i said well i've got a spare bed come here catch your breath we'll go together and this guy from that I went in training with, he, you know, everyone was trying to help each other. If they would not been here, it's like, I got a friend who's on his way. He'll be there tomorrow. He, uh, we grew up in the same town. He was in one para for 10 years and on the counter terror squad. One para is the SAS conventional muscle, mm. by the way. So that, that's pretty it's substantial. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, what am I doing around these people? You know? Um, but we crossed over, uh, the foot crossing was, it was insane. There was, there was like a tent city. Uh, I think it was Medica, I think. And there was like like hundreds of tents giving out food to refugees. And, and you see us with like Bergens on our back walking walking east. And the media, like CNN and everyone's there. I was like, no, 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 just carry on. Yeah. We went to Lviv, uh, this guy picked us up, three of us. The Swedes said they're, oh, well, we're gonna stay for this other group of Swedes that are coming, you know, like out of respect. And I said, I don't think it's gonna work out. They're like the talkers on the signal group. Um, Because they're going to set up a camp, a forward operating base somewhere close to the border, you know, that shit. (laughs) And I said, all right, well, I'll let you know what it's like in Lviv. So, you know, this guy picks us up. He takes us to the shitty basement. um, And um, there's like four rooms in there, one toilet. And there's about 50 guys with rucksacks, gear, all sleeping on the ground. Some of them are smelling. Um... And then it's like, oh my God, just find like a little, like a little crevice where like I can sleep on my side. Like there's literally 50 guys in this Mm. place. And uh, I was like, okay, this is Ukraine. I wake up in the morning and uh, some of them had stories. Yeah, yeah, we came to join the Georgian Legion. They gave us one magazine and, or like, they're going to say, you guys guard this airfield 10 years. We only have three rifles. And some of them were like, yeah, I've been to Afghanistan once, twice. We don't mind dying for a good cause, but this is bullshit. And I was like, whatever. Like, this is blowing my mind. It It was chaos. It was chaos. It was pure chaos. And I kept hearing this name Swampy. You know, like, oh, Swamp, this guy, his name was Reef. He's got a big Mohawk. He he got blown up since, but I think he might have lost his hand in Kherson. But uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna catch our breath. We're gonna, we're gonna go through drills, like as a platoon, like get us together. And we're, then we're gonna go find a unit. Um, and I was like, shit, I met this old guy, Mike, who is like in Desert Storm, you know, but like a hard 50. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I, was in, I was in Kiev, I was in European whatever, in this tower. I was like, oh, I thought I could do this. And you know, it's not for me. I'll do some humanitarian. I was hearing all these stories in Lviv, Living in this place, oh, I'll get involved with humanitarian, you know, because I I don't want to mess anything up or, you know, what skills do I have to offer? You know, these guys are all hardcore combat vets or whatever. But uh, I didn't like it. It was a shit show. I I went to Kharkiv on a a run in a van. You had to go all the way down to Uman, I think, like south of Kiev to get there. Like, Mm -hmm. you couldn't go through Kiev or you'd be dead. And I said, if I can go to Kharkiv, that'll be like a mental... If I can go that far east, I can go anywhere. Yeah, in the
1: in the beginning, Kharkiv, I think, was like the metric for everybody. Like, if you've gone to Kharkiv, you're in the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: But that I I chose to go, and and this guy Mike, who was uh, ex platoon sergeant, real cynical bastard. I didn't like him. He's like, you're going there on no intel and and stuff. I said, yeah, I know, but it, mentally, if I can go to Kharkiv, then I can do any, I can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. He says, that's why I'm doing it. No one, no one in this group has done that yet. And um, when I got back, uh, we got arrested on the way back and thrown in jail, um, got an AK in my face. I was sleeping in the back of the van and had a block post. They were pretty, in, in you know February, March, April, they were pretty twitchy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and they pulled us out and they racked their bolts. And I was like, we got thrown in jail and they searched all our phones, everything. Um, because I didn't have social media, the only thing I had in my phone was uh, Tinder. So, so they kept calling me sex tourist, sex tourist. Um, well, when we got out of that shithole, uh, I went back to Lviv. I says, I don't, I don't want to do this. The Swedes had come over and, and they they went to Kiev and I and I couldn't get, I was so scared. I was like, you're going to take a train to Kiev? Like that thing's going to get blowing up on the way, you know, like, um, and they said, no, do, do you want to join Hospitallers? And I was like, well, what's that? It's like, yeah, well, well, there's this Canadian guy we found on Instagram and he's in and he can get us in. And I was like, well, what is it? It's, well, it's a medical battalion and uh, they need they need medics, doctors, they need gunners, they need drivers. And I said, well, shit, I drive a sprinter van in a transit, like like a big full-size van. Like I, I owned a few. I'm a very good driver. I could be an ambulance driver. And um, all these people in Lviv were talking... Oh, we're going to go there. We're going to go there. We're going to go there. And they all got drunk. And the next day I just went and I took a train and I slept in the Kiev train station overnight. You used to have to do that because there was rumours you'd get shot after curfew. Mm. And I don't know if that ever happened, but I, I... looking back I feel like a like a little child then like all the things we didn't know
1: <laughs> that's um, what I was talking about when I said I love these stories is the expectation versus mm. the reality like I came into Lviv middle of the night like two o'clock in the morning and it yeah. was another deal where it was like I kind of knew somebody that was there that knew somebody who had a contact that said they'd pick me up and the people who said they were going to pick me up weren't the people that picked me up and where Sketchy they took me, wasn't with and so I came in middle of the night in Lviv yes and I'm literally thinking I'm dying before I get there because these guys don't speak english they're not who they were supposed to be picking me up they're yeah. not taking me where they were supposed to take me and i'm like looking for barrels hanging out of windows i'm looking for all of it like this is it i'm in the war you're there's like fsb a board, like everywhere a border yeah yeah and then you wake up the next morning and walk out, and you're in one of the most beautiful cities on earth. And you're like, oh, I'm not even in the war yet. Like, yeah. this is not even close there's to the war. There's
2: people having coffee. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. like, I think you could get ice cream. Yeah,
1: and so same thing. First time I went to Kiev, it was, okay, well now. Now I'm actually entering yeah. the war. Now I need to be ready. And then you get to Kiev, and you're like, okay, there's a lot of stories going around. And then, you know, I took getting to the east to finally go, okay, here's the war. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, this is it. Like for me to come, there was a lot of mental barriers of unknown where I just had to like roll the dice. It's like, well, what did you come here for? Um, and I took the train. The next morning, I, you know, I, I was a bit timid, you know, like to talk to anybody. So like Google Maps, no, I'll walk with all my kit, all the things that I didn't need here because I thought this was yeah. World War Three. You know, yeah. like a good duffel bag and a patrol pack is really yeah. useful. I didn't know that.
1: Real quick, what was your expectation? What was your understanding of what the state of things were here before you came in? Because you're going off the news and a signal chat. Like, did you believe that it was still life as normal in places or did you think it was all war? So we both had the same expectation. Coming we're all
2: going to die. Yeah. We're all going to
1: die. I assumed all women and children were gone. Yeah. And it was just a bunch of men fighting everywhere inside of Ukraine, which anyone that has spent some time here now just you laugh at yourself thinking yeah. about those days when you had that picture in your this head. this is a
2: big yeah. country like geographically size wise like this yeah. is the biggest country in europe next to russia yeah. um you no know, i i thought lad. i heard a rumor of a canadian battalion it was on national news in canada or canadian canadians are so obnoxious with their patriotism america knows you got the biggest dick so it, <laughs> anyway and i was like i'll go join that canadian battalion maybe i'll know some guy there and you know um and he'll, because they're Canadians, all, all know exactly how they double tap, dash, down, crawl, and somehow it'll work out. Um, you know, but that didn't exist. I, I came, I met up with the Swedish boys in the morning with Oleg, who was the driver. They, they'd already they'd already been to Bucha Bute- or Irpin. They, they were hot rotations then where, because you didn't have far to go, mm-hmm. they'd go for two to eight days till your supplies ran out. And then you have to like hose out the ambulance and get what you can so they'd already seen combat you know what i mean they they'd seen the ground sh- i didn't know what that was uh, i seen things burning on the train on the way um and this was an all volunteer unit this was not part of zsu right no uh hospitality has been around since 2014 they're part of uda which is the volunteer army okay and um, they were running into bucha and Irpina pulling out civilian Kazovacs no, or any Casavacs. No, uh, the mandate is military medical. It okay. always has been. That's all it is. And it's like, what did you guys see? You know what I mean? Like Oleg said to me, um, what are you here for? I was like, I'm here to be a driver. And he's like, no, we don't need any drivers today. We need gunners. And I was like, well, I really want to join this. Okay. I'm a gunner. And, uh, there was a lot of waiting around we were living in this church and the Ukrainians didn't really talk to the foreigners. There was a couple foreigners there. I don't want to say I was sizing them up because I'm, I feel I'm old enough and I'm beyond that with ego. Like I'm not looking Mm -hmm. at who's this guy, but I just wanted to hear what I knew to be true or what I knew to be bullshit and just Mm -hmm. check market. And, um, and some of the Ukrainians spoke English. Uh, a lot of them did. A lot of them didn't. And I just kind of, yeah, I had to be prepared, prepared to, I knew I had to be prepared to wait, wait, sit around and wait while you hear bombs go off. And, and I, I didn't know what to do. Like there was a couple of days, literally just waiting in this church, going down for a meal, trying to stay out of the way, but trying to meet people. Somebody gave me a Sushka, uh, the small AK. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this would be a good idea. It's the first thing I can practice on. And I was like, ooh, it's a bit tricky putting this magazine in. Do you know what I mean? It's Because there's a pivot action to it. It would have been easier if I'd never touched a rifle in my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To relearn. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like just to get that pivot movement to... So I I just practiced like action on drills in a room uh, with no rounds in it. And then all of a sudden, like little things happen. I hadn't thought about the army in years. So how do I debomb a mag? Well, you take a round and you go... And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. I don't know know if that makes sense to you, but I hadn't thought about anything green in Uh, 12 years. So eventually they're like, yeah, we had these interviews. Uh, There was an American Special Forces guy. There was a British guy who was in the Dragoons. I don't know what their role was, but they were some sort of special... Everybody was special... And then there was a Ukrainian girl in our battalion who was a lawyer, I think, about two weeks before. She's there with a laptop. They, they wanted to vet the foreigners. Mm-hmm. And the first guy that went before me was Captain America. Of course. Yeah, he walked into my room. He was my roommate. And he's like, hey, how are you? I'm, I'm so-and-so from Utah. I'm not going to say his name. Um, and the next thing he asked me, do you know where someone can get a reach around here in give?" I'm like, uh, are you for real? You know, like he would have been twenty-four. Beautiful muscles on him, you know, yeah. like beautiful definition. Um, but yeah, his interview was before mine, or no, mine was mine was before his. It doesn't matter. But um, I wanted to hear like a fly on the wall what he was saying. And uh, so they're like, uh, "What did you do before the war?" I was in fifth group, special forces. We trained with ten mountain division. Been to Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan. I'm trained on the GR three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and I did the. And they're like. I've already killed Putin three times. Yeah, 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 and uh, they're like, "Okay, well, we don't have a role for you right now, but if you want to help the pharmacology, there's a lot of boxes to sort and stuff." I had mine, and the whole thing I promised here that I would do, I would never tell a lie. I, I would never tell a lie. Like if if anybody asked me anything, I would I put my hands up, you know. If someone wants to know the size of my penis, I will tell them that it's. We don't need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's quite large. No, they <laughs> said, so "What did you do before the war?" It's like I built kitchens for IKEA. And, and the two of them look at each other and they're like, right, any military experience? I said, yeah, uh, I was in the Canadian army and I was in the Black Watch uh, years ago, no combat tours. And the British guy says, Black Watch is a very good regiment. And then I started saying, yes, it is. You know, um, I have always undersold. And I was briefly in Northern Ireland and the Americans like Northern Ireland, what's that? And I was like, it's like Bosnia 2000, <laughs> real calm. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, so he'll know how to spot a dicker, like uh, when you're doing convoys. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll know, yeah, would you like to go to the front? And I was like,
1: yes. Well, what this war needed in the beginning was more people vetting that way. Because a lot of the problems I've seen, which again, we talked earlier before this, have kind of resolved themselves over time because it's now been a year into this and most of the Yahoos have gone home. Mm -hmm. But a big problem was all the people coming over claiming to be Jason Bourne and being taken at face value. So it's awesome that there was somebody who was doing the proper vetting process, which is... Look at the dude's in char- character and integrity. Like, mm. is this somebody that we know is going to just do his job to the best of his ability, or is he going to try and bullshit his way through this? So that's awesome that you came across somebody with that vetting system in the beginning, because it was rare.
2: I told them. I said, can I can I be honest with you on a personal level? They didn't ask. I said, I screwed up my army career on drugs. Um, I've been clean for ten and a half years, and, you know, I, I've lived a real good life. Um... And I got everything to live for. I wanted to put that out there because I seen some of these guys. And I said, I don't know if I should tell you this, but my biggest fear is I don't want to let anybody down here. And they're like, welcome aboard. Oh yeah, that's that's a perfect
1: interviewee. Um,
2: And I did some training with, uh, her name's Becca Maszyowski. She's a, a trauma nurse from Colorado. And her and a French doctor uh, they did all the, the C, the tactical combat casualty care protocols. They they did it all like a syllabus in English. And for 10 days I trained. Uh, well, like shit was going off in the background, you know, with her. The second day someone's like, uh, have you ever done a catheter? And it's like, I've only ever trained to put a tourniquet on before, like years ago. Like uh, what's in your eye, FAC, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and she said, well, you're going to learn. You know, I, I uh, the first woman I penetrated in Ukraine I go, is, <laughs> is Rebecca Nasheilski. It was quite hot. Yeah, to give a catheter. And I got sick. Yeah, I did it to a man first, but uh, it didn't bother me. And I, I ruined his arm. But to draw blood from a woman, like I got sick yeah. uh, inside. Like I turned, but we trained and we trained and we trained. And, and there was a guy who was, uh, he did one rotation. He was a, a paramedic from LA. So he seen some shit, but he realized war wasn't for him. So he trained us and I I just, I listened, I listened, I tried like, no, no, no. I don't know how to put on a tourniquet there. Well, let me do it here. Let me do it there. And then I started asking questions. Well, what if you have a junction wound? You know, like I got really into this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got made onto a team and there was people that weren't going to get put on teams as foreigners. So like, I was like, there was a lot of anxiety about Mm -hmm. that. Like, am I going to get on a team and a rotation? Mm -hmm. Because, but Kiev was pretty much over. Uh, What was that? Uh, time period? How long
1: were you so training? Let, in so Keith?
2: let me see my paperwork. Uh, my my registered paperwork uh, with Hospitalieri and, and Uda, it says April 9th, but I know I came there before that. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the date. Like I, I'd want to say April fourth, if, if mm-hmm. it really matters at this point. No, I was uh, just curious how yeah. long the training process was in Keith. Ten days, and it, it, there was no formal training. It was like, what do they know? Mm-hmm. Prove it to us. Show us what they've learned. And the first rotation. Uh, with this 28 year old chubby girl who was a paramedic and her boyfriend who was the driver, who was like, had a Beatles haircut, um, who I guess had done, she'd been wounded in the old war. She had to have plastic surgery on her face because I guess a mortar blew in the glass. So these are Ukrainians? Yeah, these are Ukrainians. I was like, oh wow, you're a combat vet. You know what I mean? Like no pretension about me. Like if this woman knows something I want to learn, Mm -hmm. Dima, anesthesiologist student from Kharkiv, didn't speak a word of English and the French doctor who was teaching the program. Oh, so you got a good team. Well, we got sent to a hospital, the nearest hospital on the Zaporizhia line, the actual hospital to the Russians. And um, that was the best thing that could ever happen to me Um, because A, you get a bed, you get a shower every day. I appreciate that now. But what I didn't understand, so like what my imagination was about the war We'd all be dead now. The whole country would be dead. So, if you think of like uh, casualty evacuation, it's a triangle. The front line is the base of the triangle. Mm-hmm. And then the hospital is the point at the end. So, therefore, like there's different, there's a uh, CASAVAC, there's collection points to ambulances, whatever. But really, in theory, the most people who'd see the most work is the top of the triangle. Right. All the stabilization points are coming there. Everybody's yeah, 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 coming. Yeah, there. But, but like yeah. if the whole front line's popping all the time, we're all dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, but I didn't realize that. I thought, oh, the front, the front. Um, but at that hospital, we got no less than 20 to 50 guys a day. And a gunner is a really redundant role, and you're in a hospital.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I said, I want to learn, I want to do stuff just with scissors. You know what I mean? Cut their clothes, uh, check the tourniquet real quick, because that's everybody's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Get into their side pouch, get their documents. Is there any grenades in there, their phone? all their personal effects has got to go into a Ziploc bag right away, you know? Um, and what I learned, because I don't speak Russian, because that's the language, not Ukrainian. Um, once that ambulance comes, I have to be one of those five guys on that casualty immediately. Because I don't speak a word, I'll miss the algorithm. So I can mm-hmm. follow. You can't push your way in a minute late. Um, I had to be part of that. Next thing you know, like the time progresses, Vova, a surgeon from Dnipro, perfect english edward we'd go have a coffee and a cigarette in between and i'd ask them questions like a child would you know like about this about that and we'd go through everything that happened um and i was getting more confident and i said well it seems to me for every amputation every i was cool with all this stuff i didn't know if i would be you know but i got right in there i wanted to learn um it seemed to me we were getting about six concussions for every one or two guys that were like really fun. losing a limb yeah. yep uh or internal complications so i said well i know the drugs now you know dexamethasone or odancetrine why don't i pre-mix them you know what i mean if i know how many people we're going to get when we get a phone call why don't i just draw up the syringes and that sounds like that doesn't sound like much but i was really proud as like I can do this for these nurses and stuff and they're making it more efficient. And I can just be like the guy in the room. I can be like Mills Lane, like the referee that you don't even know is in the ring. But Mm -hmm. if that, and, um, next thing, you know, I'm, I'm administering them. Well, holy shit. If we got six guys here, um, I was a bit slow. That could take me like 40 minutes, you know, like at, at first, but I wasn't blowing the veins, you know, I was doing everything right. And I was like, I just took 40 minutes work off of somebody qualified. Um, it even came to a point where I was holding the hemostats while a surgeon was working with a scalpel, and Igor uh, doesn't doesn't speak English, but I knew what he was going for, mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing shit like that, and I was like, "Wow, this is really really cool," you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and this is like. I was really proud of myself. And this, this had nothing to do with any ideas I had about a gun and, you Mm -hmm. know, get some, you know. Um, I think one of the most fascinating things that I
1: learned through this was being humbled Uh and realizing that anyone who has a desire, a sincere desire to help. Yes. Is capable of amazing things. Like when we first came over, I, I'm, I'm not saying I had it. Ego or a god complex, but I had in my head that the only people that were going to be here were going to be combat veterans. I'm like, there's not going to be anyone else that's going to come to a war zone to do this. And then I meet these amazing people who had no idea how to do any of the things they're doing but just wanted to help so bad they learned and are probably doing it more efficiently than a lot of guys I know that that have experience doing it and are willing to put themselves into serious harm's way to do it and just amazing people to where it was a reality check for me, like literally a desire and a heart and a passion to do something, which is a lesson that the Kremlin's learning right now about Ukrainians will overcome. Like it's amazing what you can do if you just have a sincere,
2: authentic passion and desire to do it you talk talking my uh, language yeah um the french doctor left us and uh we're we're gonna go down to the front you know the four of us and i was like well what's that gonna be like you know what i mean are we gonna be in a trench are we gonna be living in we're in a house <laughs> you know that yeah. uh put a cam net up the ambulance is parked there and you can hear it in the background like the i think they're 152s or 155s um and guy was telling me oh that was about a kilometer away that was a whatever and i'm feeling it rumble and i was like that's a kilometer away you know it feels like and but here's to my surprise nothing's happening like why are we not out going getting people and uh it took me a long time to learn uh the line ain't popping like my friend rebecca her crew uh there was an israeli guy with the tank there was a so she's a trauma nurse there was a, a neurosurgeon student on her crew real mix they were getting like five casualties a day like doing evacs. that's good work you know mm-hmm. that's good work there's other ambulances and this I was like, is like april may this is april yeah. uh this is the end of april that's the end of april may Zaparicia front was pretty hot back then yeah till about sometime in june it calmed down i think that was the hottest point on the front at that time but i was like yeah. when are we going to get ours do you yeah. know what i mean and it's like why can't we go help them well, that's not the way it works. Everyone's got their point, but little by little, um, we get no work. So I got like half a 3G signal. So I'm trying to watch YouTube, like Prep Medic videos and shit like this. And and by then I started an Instagram because I realized I'm gonna run out of money after I bought my thousand dollar armor plates. I was like, shit, I'm gonna run out of money and have to go home. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to film cats and dogs like during the explosions because I notice that people will pay attention to cats and dogs. People were messaging me, telling me how great of a guy I was, and and I ain't done nothing yet because I. Yeah. But the the truth is, um, couple couple miles down the road, uh, there was like, I don't, I can't say if this is true or not, but some of them were like the remnants of Azov, um, and those boys were coming up through the Zaporizhia from Mariupol, and my commander, she was a horrible woman. Like when we were in the hospital, I couldn't go to the supermarket five minutes away because I, it's so dangerous for me as a foreigner. I'm a 35-year-old man. Um, <laughs> but she had the sense, there was there was a boy from Finland. I want to tell this story. And it was the first time I seen and I knew it what it was. You know, that thousand yard stare. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I knew what I was looking at. Um, and she said, if you want to stay and talk with him and chill out with him, and this is a cool place because there were people that weren't her. Mm. <laughs> and some of them spoke English. And there was like a shitload of javelins in the building. They had MREs. They had Canadian-American ones. And, and she said, do you just want to chill out with him for a couple hours, you know, a quiet day? And I just talked to him. Talked about normal stuff. He told me a bit about Mariupo. Uh He came here with four guys from Finland. He's the only one alive. Um, and he said, I'm going home. And he told his commander, he says, "Can I? I can't. Can I go home?" The commander said, "This isn't your country. You've done more than enough." And uh, and he he had already contacted a psychologist or psychiatrist in his own country. Smart. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So many like, people don't take care 20, of themselves. With even twenty that. years ago, they wouldn't do that. Nah. And I just I just stood with him, and I felt like I am a fraction of the man you are, because um, I, I felt like I hadn't done anything yet. Um, but I'll never forget that guy. You know, I I will never forget. I will, because I was still in imagination mode. I hadn't been shot at yet. I hadn't been in hospital yet. These things were all to come for me, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um,
1: and I'll take a moment there to, to bring up, that is one of the other things that has blown me away is how well the Ukrainian command, all of the ZSU does take care of their people like you're talking about the you've done enough mm-hmm. you've done an amazing job i see you need help thank you for everything you've done go take care of yourself like we were this blew my mind especially if you come from the u.s military and i'm not shitting on the united states but
2: if it ain't you, bleeding, won't, it ain't broken. But you
1: won't see this experience in the united states we were working with a unit in the bakhmut area months ago before bakhmut was cool yeah. <laughs> and uh i know all about that and uh the unit we were working with, we had a really bad night. It was the night they took Klischkiewka and lost a significant number of people. Really yep. good people. And the command for the AO came down and said, we're going to bring in someone to replace you guys. Yep. What's left. And pull you back to, and I won't say the town, but you you know it. It's close by town. Yeah. Give you apartments where there's electricity and running water. And we are bringing your wives or best friends or whoever you say you need to stay with you in this town for as long as you need to get your heads on right and get better and then we'll take you where you need to go and that blew my mind like first off that's a dynamic of this war that I don't know who is good. I struggle with it. I'm used to, if you deploy, you flip a switch and you go into everything sucks and you're on a mission and you don't think about anything else in the world until you come back and flip the switch here, you can be getting shot at in the morning and drinking coffee in a nice place in Kharkiv that evening or seeing your wife in this situation. And I don't know if I think that's necessarily a good thing because you don't usually deal with your demons until you have the time and space to process. Yeah. So doing that process and then going back to war, it's debatable. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm not saying it's good. But it is amazing that the ZSU operates that way, that they think about their guys. Like what military, can you imagine the Russian military doing that? Like, oh, you had a lot of losses in your unit, we're gonna take care of you now, that doesn't happen. Well, that's, so, not, that's it, not always amazing.
2: the case, uh, but I've heard many times that. But when I say that's not only the case or your case, I don't know what those colonels and generals have of resources either mm-hmm. to deal with. Yeah. So the fact that that they had that thank God too to yeah. give
1: um But you just made me think of that when you were talking about his it's response so to that guys. You won't see that in a lot of
2: militaries where no. I don't give a shit. You have a contract
1: to get back to work is what you're usually going to hear. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I I've, I've I've seen a lot of things here like that like you said uh where we si- I was here yesterday uh right where we are now. And uh, I was in the cauldron in Avdivka the same day. You know what I mean? Mind you, not a shot fired uh, yes, yesterday. Uh, that was a good day. But it's not always like that. And uh, if, if I'm honest with you, when it's quiet, that's when I'm... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but but then I was here. I was here eating a burger uh, later in, in the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very strange dynamic. Well, it's... All my concepts of what I thought I knew, but I I came here and really tried to turn that off. Um, To be on that position, well, I had my first guy die on me, uh, that that we all had a hand in that, you know what I mean? Um, During the casualty handover, um, it was never addressed that he had a sucking chest wound. And as I've learned later on, you've really got to rake the body because you can you can overlook those uh, developed into a pneumothorax, which turns into a tension pneumothorax. So what's happening there? There's pressure going on the lung, okay, and then the lung goes into the heart, okay, like the the pressure goes at. If anyone doesn't know, I, I I've learned a lot here. I was just gonna say I'm impressed. Yeah, like that's um, and
1: that goes back to it's amazing what you can do but, when you passionately want to learn. But something.
2: nobody checked this guy in the handover. Those guys who were coming like two kilometers up the road to us, they were for ah, and right. um, what happened? I was in the front of the ambulance, but because of all those, you know, your drills, your drills, if you can draw up an ampule when it's calm, you better do that a lot. Cause when you're on a Dombat well it's Aparisha road and bouncing and someone's handing you Mm. morphine asking you to draw that. Imagine if you stick yourself with morphine. Um, Or you might enjoy it for a minute. You know, but again, I would do in that. But with this guy, um, I was quite strong and they stopped the ambulance. Brandon come back in. Um, Can you do, uh, can you do CPR? Now, it's not like the movies. Mm -hmm. If you do CPR on a guy before he gets to the hospital, he's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, He, what happened when they put the decompression needle in through a bump, punctured his lung. There was, is it all right if I talk about this? Of course. I don't know. Um, And I was like, while I was doing it, what happened, she didn't have the strength. Dema didn't the IO that's the that's if we can't if we can't get a vein access, uh, it's got to be stuck in here into the bone marrow. Mm-hmm. That snapped. everything was going wrong and I'm holding Dima's chest rig to try to balance this anesthesiologist student who's 25. and then when I come down to the CPR, can you do it, Brandon? and I'm strong. Um, apparently I did it for eight minutes um, and every time I did a compression, a squirt of blood was coming out, you know, from that. And I was like, for a second, I was like, this ain't Baywatch. I thought of Baywatch, you know, because yeah, they're always, you yeah, know, yeah. on TV. Like, this is it's fucking, this clean is Dexter. And, yeah. This is surreal. And, um, we got him into the hospital, the same hospital that I, I served at. And these doc, doctors are my heroes, not special forces, underwater knife no, fighters who served in fifth group, special forces, and trained yeah. in Afghanistan, Syria. Uh, these are my fucking heroes. And, yeah. and, uh, and they brought him, they brought the defibrillator and he died and, and and one of the doctors, real tall man between 40, 50, not a word of English, uh, um, I helped him with surgery once on my first civilian woman, you know, the previous month and he, he just said, uh, he knew enough to say good job and I... I he died, but I was kinda of proud, like that he said good job. And Yeah, you need to hear that. And then yeah. we're washing out the ambulance and buckets of blood, and then we're singing a song, staying alive, staying Five minutes later we're joking. And uh everyone gets real quiet on the run back down to position, but I'm I'm still chatty, but then I was I was like, well, maybe I should shut the fuck up. And I I was like, is there something wrong with me? But we got a quiet day the next day. And I was like a menopausal woman. I'd be cool. And then mm-hmm. I'd have two minutes of like, and uh, I don't know how long you will be here, but I want to tell this. Uh, this is this is the reason I'm still in Ukraine. Um, we got notice that we'd be moving uh, within 24 hours to a stabilization, a stab point. I, I didn't really know what that was yet, um, and as I what's happening, will you explain it for the people listening? So what a stabilization point is? Uh, a lot of people think a mash. Which was a great TV show. It and was movie. a good TV show. Um, but there's, I've only seen one of those tent city hospitals in Ukraine because the Russians will blow the fuck out of them because mm. of drones. <clears throat> so they're in old school houses, They're in they're in houses. They're in community centers. They're in apartment buildings. They're in anything that looks like a ho- that doesn't look like a hospital. Mm. And um, it's it's basically that man will not live to a hospital. So the medics who are driving, whether it be a four-wheel drive, an armored carrier, whether it be an ambulance, whatever the situation, that medic makes a call. That man will not make it and not live to go to, or whatever call mm-hmm. they're making. Uh, but the concussion guys aren't coming there. <clears throat> a lot of times an amputation isn't even coming there. If the tourniquet, you know, like yeah. a lot of those medics. I mean, it's, it, it's basically what it sounds like for those listening. Yeah. It's, it's this person isn't going to make it to the
1: hospital, but maybe if we stop somewhere that has a decent amount of capability. They can stabilize
2: this person yeah. enough to make it to the hospital is what it is. But yeah. this stabilization was special. Uh, to me, anyway. It was set up with a purpose. A very specific purpose. There was going to be an assault. Uh, don't ask me how big it was. Um, but Persha Tangova, First Armored Brigade from Chernev, um, who are very well respected in Ukraine, an armored brigade that was 1,500 before the war but now is 7,000. Um... They were going to lead it. Azov was there. Whatever was left of them. Um, there was a lot of people. But an attack was going to happen. And the stabilization was to be set up within about 12 to 18 hours. And uh, we didn't know when we get the call to go. But around 3 in the morning, I started hearing boom, 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 boom. It was my... One of the most intense, but it was all our guns. grad artillery, uh, air just hammering them. And then we got the call the next day at noon to go to the stabilization. And uh, it was just this old like community center, you know, like a big square building. And I was like, whoa, what is this going on here? It was it was, it was a dark gray day and, and you just see people come and go and you could hear screaming, you could hear whatever. And I didn't know what to do. And, and our team, there wasn't a really good synergy, but I was like, shit, I can plug in. You know, just like I did at the hospital. You know what I mean? Get on what that. needs done. Do, do yeah. what I train. Do my fucking yeah. job. Uh, scissors. Get their grenades out. You know, like one guy, I even shouted at a doctor, no, stop, stop. That tourniquet wasn't done right. There's still a small pulsate of blood. And I was like, well, do I put another one on like my training? I said, no, I'm going to do another twist uh, because maybe that'll be quicker. And sure enough, the blood stopped to carry on. I stacked bodies because... If you read TCCC protocols, in a perfect world, we have a separate room for 200s. And they all went into the room to the right. Uh, The guys who went into the four, it was just a bunch of tables stacked together, basically. They were throwing them on. Um, Then they would go in there. But the dead, um, we ran out of body bags. We take the moon blankets, the silver gold ones, duct tape them. Um... And yeah, I just, I just stacked bodies and, and, and that went on for about three days and, and I got to plug in a bit with some of the wounds too. Um, and the commander, the medical commander, um, I've always been, I always search for father figures, even at my age. Igor Petrovich was a career army surgeon. Uh, find, you don't find that in Ukraine. His whole mm-hmm. career was army medical and he was a commander, a medical commander on United Nations missions. Yemen, Lebanon. Oh shit! Spoke perfect English, and a lot of Ukrainians gave us the cold shoulder when we first came here. A lot of us, some of us, deserved it. Some, of, it, it is what it is. But he, as busy as it was, and he, I was the first foreigner they'd ever seen. Um, he came out of his way, like when we had a second. Where are you from? What? Are you? And he, and he gave me a hug. Thank you so much for coming here. And um, yeah, I, I. I I seen their generator they had this little like tugboat old 50 year old three and a half kilowatt diesel generator like you could see the conveyor belt going on it the lights would go they're working under you know we i think our biggest day we had 70 300s and about 20 of the 200s i don't know if you want to count that the dead stacking that was the busiest day of the three days for us um but i i remembered i was like oh they don't have enough power you know like this is really really shit i kept his details um but i i'd done about 10 weeks of hospital and war without even firing a gun and uh i felt pretty good about that we came back to kiev uh i had been fundraising on instagram i raised enough money to buy a a vehicle it all started just looking for helmets but one youtuber shouted me on instagram and gave me two thousand dollars and i was like whoa and the team leader's like, we need four wheel drive. And I was like, do you not know what money is? Like four helmets and a four wheel drive are two different things. Yeah. So, so I'll whore myself out on the internet. And uh, cause this is, this is part of my war story. So is this when your internet push gets going? Well, it all started then uh, with one follower, two followers. I asked Swampy, he was my role model. Cause he had like 8,000 followers on Instagram. I said, could you shout me? You know, like an, an Instagram story. I, I never even had Instagram before. And um, I would send every person a one minute voice message and I'd look at their profile. I'd say their name. Hi, so-and-so. Oh, wow. So you put work into this. Well, what else are you going to do? You're sitting on a position doing nothing. My name's Brandon. I want to everyone who followed me. Um, thank you very much. Uh, I'm in a combat medical battalion. This is what we're raising money for. I'm not asking you for money, but if you follow, if you see anything that's worth sharing in your stories, like anything I'm doing, I'd be extremely grateful. And, um, Anyway, I raised enough money uh, on about 2,000 followers. I I ran stories like a soap opera, like I'd I'd run little polls on what are we gonna name this cat? You know, and and people really liked it because it wasn't fucking, it wasn't, well, what you see on social media, you know? And there's uh, no trumpets blaring, there's no no, soundtrack. No, 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 no. And one vehicle turned into two vehicles. Uh, I went to Germany people on Instagram were messaging me. Oh, come to Nuremberg. I'm already looking at a vehicle for you. I was like, what? Some random stranger. Yeah. Uh, my friend Des, he'd gone home and come back. And I was like, Des, you're in Poland? Stay there. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm on my way to Poland. I took a bolt. I paid 7,000 Grievna from Kiev. I decided at 10 p.m., why buy a vehicle in, in Ukraine? I went to Germany. I said, There was it. a bolt that took you all the way there? Yeah, it took me all the way to the border. The first one, once, it, once he picked me up and said, where do you want to go, the border? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop at the ATM, get some cash. He took off. He didn't want that job. Yeah. But the other guy, oh, yeah, not a word of English. Got his family on FaceTime. He went and bought me kibasa and bread. You know what the Ukrainians oh, are yeah, like. Yeah. He's feeding me. I'm paying him for the job. Right, but right. he probably spent about 300 hryvnia on me. Yeah. Um, I gave him a hug at the border went to Nuremberg, a guy helped us out, uh, put us up at his friend's house, you know, he didn't have room with his kids, helped us buy the vehicle in Germany, the whole process. Then this guy Enrico, random guy says, you got to come to Stuttgart, Uh you, we want to give you supplies, and we were buying two vehicles. I, I used my credit card, uh, which I don't recommend doing, I didn't have enough, but what if I could come back with two, you know, and uh, I went to Stuttgart, this guy hands me 500 euros cash, takes us to dinner, pays for our hotel room. He says, go see this guy tomorrow. He's got these supplies for you. And I was like, what? He's said, yeah, we've been working on the border. Uh, we're football hooligans by nature and, and, and Kharkiv football club. we got relations. We've been bringing supplies into Kharkiv since like once, like every two weeks, once a month. We're with you all the way. And I was like, shit there's stuff going on in Europe trying to help mm-hmm. us you know like in America like I didn't know there's there's actually organized networks grassroots that are doing a lot of shit oh yeah you know all about. I didn't know this it blew my mind oh I didn't know it at that time no I just know it now I yeah. just knew my little house and my dog and my bombs and my 300s I came back here on the way I stopped in somewhere in Germany because I, I said, diesel generator, diesel generator. How much is a diesel generator? It can't be petrol. It can't be gasoline. I found one for 1,500 euros. And I had about that much left on my credit card. I rang that man, Igor Petrovich. And somehow I got through to him. We didn't have Starlinks then. I says, I don't have a lot of money. But if you need this diesel generator, it's seven kilowatt. I can, I will buy this for you. And he says, do it. I was like, okay. We got back. Brought the vehicles, gave one to our battalion. I told the the 2IC, the battalion, I said, I want to go down to that position where we used to work. I have a diesel generator for them. And they said, good idea. I went there. I was going to go for five days. I never came back. Um, Do you want to work here? Do you want to stay here? And I was like, yes, very much. And um, people in our battalion, uh, we get seconded to different brigades, units. Mm. Um, and people see my Chevron or my pants. Sorry, Um, Americans. Can I have your patch, man? No, you can't. And uh, people, I don't know, someone messaged my old crew commander. You know, Brandon, what are you doing wearing our chevron? You have to talk to the commander for permission. And I was like, God, call my CO? I'm actually amazed to hear that because one of the things that makes me chuckle over here is the lack of patch
1: integrity. I see people all the time with a patch where I'm like, oh, you're with them? like, no. I'm like, Mm. well, then
2: why are you wearing the patch? But a Ukrainian wouldn't do that a foreigner would um i rang my commanding officer and i said you know i'm sorry i said i'd be back in five days but you know i'm i i really like it here you know and i'm doing some work and um my ceo you know what i mean said uh, who has a very a growing battalion she says is the commander happy yes are you happy yes then there's no problem stay as long yeah. as you want come back if you need help contact uh contact us in battalion but if you leave area let if you go somewhere else let me know and i was like it's what? amazing isn't it yeah a woman yeah. a woman in a wheelchair is my commanding officer yana Zinkovich. Yeah. and she commands one of one of the more well known and well or well well funded and equipped battalions in ukraine she's a woman in a wheelchair who's not even 30 years old you know but she cares about what's important yep
1: If you're interested in finding out more about Brandon's work over here, I highly recommend following him on YouTube and or Instagram. It is Ukraine underscore T B I C. Uh, He's been doing great work. I know he'd kick me if I didn't point out that, that when you look at that content, you're also going to have a window into the incredible work of the Ukrainian people uh, and the value of the cause over here. But you could fall down that rabbit hole for seven days watching his YouTube videos. It's fantastic content. Highly recommend checking it out. There are links on uh, his YouTube where you can donate if you want to contribute to his efforts in that department. Um, But regardless, I highly recommend checking out his work. Uh, And yeah, let's go ahead and get back to the podcast. You've gotten now into the social media side of the world and raising money to get the things that people need. You've started working with this new, was it inside the same battalion or was it a completely different battalion?
2: So hospitalers will send a team. Equipage, a crew for one month three months whatever the whatever the agreement is uh and then they'll rotate their crews to work with this brigade that battalion okay to plug holes in army medical that's that's our mandate so not attached to a specific battalion but i thought like i'm this unique character in a sense that like i'm not on rotation i'm just staying with this unit i'm happy Mm. with later on did i learn i'm the only foreigner who does that but there was about 10, 15 other people that had different roles uh, and they they would get support from battalion like uh, Nova posted supplies and stuff. So did you continue to intentionally try to be uh, build the media base to raise money or did it yeah. go organic from well, there? Well, the first generator and then filming showing proof of work and get, I was very shy to ask them, can you guys do a little thank you video? But I take little videos and I try to be quirky on there. It's like, well, I guess there's no TV in this town cause this is a diesel generator. And all of a sudden 30 guys showed up on a quiet night. Like look at the new motor, you know, like all smoking uh, and I know how to make it, you yeah. know? So dead stuff, but more money, the more proof I'd show the more money and, and not a lot of money at the time, uh, but you know, like getting like a thousand dollars a week. I, I say that's not a lot of money. Um, but, um, anyway, I felt guilty because the Zaporizhia front went dead. Like, I mean, went, which is a good thing. Went stagnant. Yeah. yeah. And I heard about Severdinesk, Lisa Chansk, uh, an American paramedic, uh, who was an ex army, um, army machine gunner, uh, who I, I had all the time in the world for love that guy. Um, he was in Pisky. Okay, toward Don- Donet City, and he had a pretty hot rotation. He says, yeah, um, I I don't know if I want to do another hospitaller rotation. I think I want to join the Army. And we heard about the National Guard. I was like, well, what's the National Guard? I said, like, I don't know what that is. Very uh, different here than what we think of in the United States. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. They, they're t- they tend to be better equipped than the Army a lot of times, and they'll have specific tasks. Um, but they, they've got infantry. They've got everything. Um They said, yeah, we can get a job with the National Guard. We can go to Lysichensk or Severodonetsk. Well, Severodonetsk turned in... Well, we were talking about it over a week. It turned into Lysichensk and, you know, and uh, the guys were like, yeah, you can't come now. It's too hot. Like, we got to have... We got to rotate out, like, for a couple of days for you to even come here and, you know, and if they'll have you. But I had one of the four-wheel drives and I just... My commander said, well, if you you leave area... So I wrote a very stoic message. I said, you know, like... uh, I very much want to return on rotations, but I, I need to go defend the East, you know, like um and I hope I can come back to battalion. And I never got a reply. Um I did she's also a member of Parliament, by the way, our oh. commanding officer. Um and um me and this guy we met in Dnipro, uh Casey, um and we went to Kramatorsk to stay with the National Guard. But by that time we pulled out of Lysychansk. And it was so dead. There wasn't even like an artillery round for days going anywhere. We went to Kramators, live in a basement with them. These guys are tired. You know, like 10 guys in a basement. They're happy. We're ready to go to war and do, you know, like help. These guys are like, yeah, I just want to sleep. I want to play on my phone. I want to, you know, I just want to like nice, beautiful days. They just want to stay down in a dank basement and just lie there. And um, I got that. But it's like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What are we
1: going to do? You guys are rotating out, but we're ready to go in.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Casey, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting. It was almost two weeks of doing nothing. Like, going swimming in the lake. It's like, shit, like, I've got to do something here. Um, and then I got an idea. Well, i got to keep fundraising more of these diesel generators, you know? Like, because winter's coming. And I, I played with the social media. I watched videos. How do you make your social media better? And... Um, I so said, if I can get 10 for winter, that'll be something. And uh, I say I'm not one of those arrogant NATO guys, but this guy, Dimitri, shows up in a Jimmy, you know, short wheelbase Jeep. They're pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, like a yeah, yeah. 1.3 liter that can do yeah, like a donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Turn on a dime. Yeah, and he's a bit chubby. He's got like hair all over the place and he's got two cats crawling over him and a shotgun. And me and Casey are kind of looking at him It's like, what the fuck is this? Do you know what I mean? And, and uh, okay, let's get to know Dimitri. He's an IT nerd. He 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 got he was a he's a volunteer. I was like, what's a volunteer? What's a volunteer? And he's like, Yeah, I rent this apartment in Kramatorsk. I'm an IT worker, I do that at night. And then I go deliver packages for the army. I go pick up stuff for them. And and he's like, so you go to Nova Post, you get their package, you bring it to this town, that village, even to Second Line, you know, and he's doing this stuff, and I was like, Well, that's you know, I see what you're doing there, you know, that's that's pretty cool. I never would have thought of that and um he said yeah yeah I, I i was a volunteer in kiev uh and and we went with like a civilian group that were armed to like it never kicked off because the russians never made it that far but they were all in the forest waiting you know mm-hmm. and he said yeah I, I just came out here to help and uh i was like cool and so up to that point you didn't realize that there were a number of people who were just doing freelance shit didn't right? realize any of this shit um and then one day, oh yeah, Dom, because it's Donbass, it's an old war, they have a culture. Like when you say the word volunteer to the army, it's not like, it doesn't even mean the same thing as it does in English. Mm-hmm. Like they're respected people, like for the most part, especially the Ukrainian ones, there's there's very few foreigners here still to this day that work like a Donbass volunteer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they know like the local council, the police, the government, they know... A lot of them just want to do their thing. And they have friends in this brigade they want to help or that. Some of them are armed. Some of them aren't. Uh, some only work with civilians. But but a lot of them know each other. They might not like each other, but they'll help each other. And they don't want to be part of an organization. They just want to be a man in a van. And and Dmitry was one of them. And he says, we're going to go to Novo tomorrow. Do you want to come? And uh, I was like, what, what are we doing? We're, we're going to go get uh, evacuate some civilians. I was like, what? You know, what, like, what is this? And, um, I said, okay, that sounds like something. And I looked at a map and I was like, wow, that's, that's a pretty tight little pocket there, Southeast of Bakhmut, And it's, it's like, if you look at a map, it's like 500 meters by like 200, two kilometers. That's ours and everything's yeah. Russian. It's a corridor at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, we're going to go there. And, and I went there and, and people are living with no power, no water, no anything like, and they're not the army. And, uh we got to Babushka's and um, and it was pretty calm. And he said, yeah, do you want to go do this tomorrow as well? And I said, like, well, I got nothing else to do. And Casey's like, I'm going to join the SSO. And I was like, wow, cool. I wish I had the qualifications and the experience to do that. That, that would be cool. And I said, no, I better stay here because uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't have the experience to be doing any of that stuff. And uh, the moment Casey left, I started doing this with Dimitri. And all of a sudden we start getting mortared. You know what I mean? And you start taking this long corridor and there's like machine gun. Is that coming at us or not? And then you get into the town or the village and it get real calm, but it, it was the way in the way out. And then you start seeing guys wearing boots like this in civilian clothes. And they'd be looking at you like men between like 20 and 40. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're not Ukrainian. And I didn't realize how close the Russians were there. Mm-hmm. They were Russians no, and yeah. they were looking at us and, uh, they let us do our job, uh, but then it came a point they didn't. What was the response, before
1: we get into that, which I definitely want to get into that, but what was the response that early in it with the civilians that you were going to take out? Because I know some regions, it's resistant just because they don't want to leave their home. They've been through this before, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Some some places they're resistant for other reasons. Some places they're eager to get out. What was it like, because it, that's pretty early
2: in that region when you started to go into to that region that area well donbass from my understanding is different than everywhere because they've been at war a long time Mm. uh anybody young anything going for them like a career education they've already gone they've either gone abroad or kiev so it's mostly older people um and when this war started then more people left so the people who tend to stayed uh they're stubborn they're Mm. really stubborn you know uh their attitude there was no I couldn't say, oh, he's pro-Russian, he's pro-Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most common thing, and it's translated to me, and I'm, I'm very observant of body language and energy. This is my home.
1: Yeah. This is my
2: home. Yeah. Okay. And these are poor people, and 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 I get that coming from Canada, because Canadians and Americans aren't as well traveled as Europeans generally, you know, because like a lot of people haven't been out of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's there's people where I come from who they went to Montreal twice in their life. You know, like they couldn't imagine it's the same mm. people judge oh why are they staying there put you in that circumstance you're, you're mm. asking them to go to outer space as far yeah, as they're yeah. concerned yeah like yeah. some of them she's like yeah i went to nipro for a year and studied something when i was 20. you know what i mean mm-hmm. oh, we go when we go to kramators we go every couple weeks when we have to buy something like an hour done these kind of people you know yeah. just like americans and canadians yeah. and Oop. you know um I was just, I was just curious
1: cause I'm f- a little more familiar with the Donbass, uh, civilian population, but I wasn't doing anything in Donbass until mm. the fall. So I'm, I was curious what it was
2: like months prior. They weren't leaving. Uh, and some of them would leave because of health problems that they were forced to leave, like to get medical care. Um, but it came down to the point they weren't leaving until somebody they knew died or like a house got blown up beside them. That's what it was. And then if you don't take them out in the first three days, they get over it and they don't want to leave again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it ha- it was real bad yesterday. They want to leave. And then it's calm the next day and then they don't want to leave. Mm, yep. um, very frustrating. But um, what I did with the Instagram, I started filling in like these reels. And I, I got this little app called CapCut where you could uh, chop things together. And like a, like what happened over an hour and a half, I could condense it down into a minute for a reel and then my my first reel I did in Kodema, uh, when, when a lot of shit happened and I, I popped an eardrum, <laughs> you, you know, the first time. Um, that reel on Instagram got about, I think 80,000 views, but then all the Reddit people and stuff started ripping it off. And I think it got like 5 million views places, like people were contacting me like that I hadn't seen since the beginning of the war. It's like, oh, I, I was surprised to see your face at the end. There's nothing I do is in selfie mode, but mm-hmm. at, at, it's always what's happening. But I put at the end, is like, thank God we got out of that. And what happened, the donations, I was like, shit, in like two days, all of a sudden I had $1,000 more in donations. And I was like, whoa, I want to buy generators, right? I should do the civilian work. My heart has always been with the army, and, and I'm, I'm honest about that. I do care about the people, but I question the wisdom of, why would two young men go risk their life for one 70 year seventy-year-old grandmother? It doesn't add up. Um, but I, I liked the work because it had purpose, and I liked the thrill of getting shot at. I when I be I didn't know what I was comfortable with. I don't want to say I like it, but I was I was enthralled by how comfortable I was. Do you understand mm-hmm. in in these situations? Yep. And. Um,
1: and it's I got more and more money. I got more and, and more money. And what you just said there too, without trying to gas up your ego too much mm-hmm. is why it was so popular on Instagram is just the pure, sincere honesty about it. Like you just admitted, I like the feeling I get when I get shot at and I mm. come out the other end going, I can make it through an experience that some people can't make it through. That's a good feeling. Right. Or your honesty about bringing out that babushka or, but it was just very sincere because I'll tell you the, First time I was exposed to you, Mm -hmm. one of my guys, one of my team, he's down in Kherson now, was like, hey, man, because I am very cynical. He's like, I know you hate every person on Twitter and Instagram that's in Ukraine because I'm always just like, oh, these showboats trying to look, you know, most of them are LARPing and they're trying to look like they're over here fighting Putin by themselves when really they're not doing anything substantial. He's like, but I want you to go check out this one account because this dude is just legit sincere. Like, no showboating, no look at what I'm doing, mm. just super authentic, like you just feel like you're there dealing with this shit with him, and he pointed me to your account. That was my first... And you were the first Ukraine uh, person account that I followed, because I was like, okay, this guy's at least legitimate, like he's at least just showing people what's happening without any grandstanding, without any background music, without any, oh, look at what I'm doing for people, just a oh, look at my shitty day today.
2: Yeah. Well, I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to edit a video at the time. I'm still learning and getting better because I have an objective. If I had, if I had $10 million, you'd never see, you never would have seen me on social media. Um, but I crack jokes when shit gets bad and some people find it funny. Some of them are like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, but like I used, I used to, I used to fight on licensed fights in England because uh, I, I always wanted to be a boxer and I trained as a kid, but. Later on in my late twenties I had a chance and to compete amateur and in the warm-up room I was always cracking jokes where some I just want to entertain people like it's it's my coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Not like a psycho or whatever the trolls I learned what, I didn't know what a troll was till you know what I mean? I didn't know what didn't it was know, before this either. I didn't know what LARPing was till a month ago. Okay, so like this is what you're dealing with here. Yeah. And I cracked jokes and, and some people really liked it and but I was getting money. I was getting serious money. Um And then I met this guy, Philip, and he said, Dimitri went home, do you want to go do some work with me? And I hated Philip and he hated me, but like, we got talking and I just told him the truth about my life. Like, just tell him the truth. Yeah, I I like, I really like what we're doing here. And I, I felt I lost out on a lot of life with drugs and alcohol. And, and, uh, that's not the reason I came here, but it's like, like, at least I'm, I know now I'm really doing something good with my life. Like, mm. if there was ever, oh, yeah, you have a good job, you pay your bills, you're good to your family, I'm doing something good this with my life. This is very
1: tangible. You yeah, can see really, the good you're doing. Yeah, it. yeah.
2: and it fills a bit of that hole that's always been there. But uh, then Philip and I, someone said, do you want to go to Solodar at night? And I was like, where's Solodar?" And everyone says, oh, you can't go to Solidar. That, 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 that town's condemned. Um, and this was the scariest experience of the war for me. Not a shot fired. That night, and some of my scariest experiences have been no, no guns. Um, oh, yeah. Seven people out, and there was a guy named Andrew Bagshaw who looked like the most awkward guy. He's, he's actually a scientist. He's he's died now. Um, and Andrew's waiting there in a car, but I've got the badass four wheel drive, and I was like, yeah, like I, I was a bit arrogant. I was like, hold my beer, you stay here in your little station wagon. We'll we'll go with the four wheel drive because I'm 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 getting good at this, you know, like. <laughs> uh-huh. And it wasn't like that at all. Seven people, one of them was a baby. And we had a blackout drive out of town. And Andrew got parked outside of an army position. And they're like, what are you doing here? And they like arrested him, you know, to find out who he was. Detained him, yeah. Phillips, the only Russian speaker. it's like, I got to stay with Andrew. And I said, I felt like a coward, but I was like, I got to get out of here. You know, I got that kid and like, so many things could go wrong. Yeah. I followed a Humvee with the one tail light like covered in dirt at about Twenty kilometers an hour all the way out of Solodar, and I was so scared, blackout driving because it was a cloudy night. I was like, "What if I go in a ditch? Like, it's not going to be bad for me, but it's going to be very bad for the baby. Everything. Mm -hmm. What could happen? What could happen?" I always tell people that was uh, scary. The analogy
1: I use for this is when a pin is going towards a balloon, the anticipation of it popping is a million times worse than it popping.
2: Like my That's first how I punch, always like describe it to punch people, my like my first time I ever sparred. Like, oh my God, it's going to be hell.
1: Like when I'm when, when you're sitting in a foxhole or you're driving down a road in the dark mm-hmm. and everything's quiet and unknown, that is far worse than when they finally start
2: shooting at you, you. go, okay, now I know what's happening and I know that I can make decisions and react to it. Yeah, so. this is it. Yeah. Um, but me and Philip went back to Solidar every day, just us um, in my Pajero and ripped out the back seats and we were getting about 40, 50 people out a day. Um, and then I started posting online. I started playing with YouTube, which is hard work. I didn't know you had to turn the camera this way on YouTube, uh, but the more I was doing on Instagram, these reels were getting views. I was getting more money, but then all these volunteers, uh, mostly foreigner, wanted to come to Soledar. I want to do these civilian evacuations. And, like, one guy had a good job, like, doing something uh, with the humanitarian stuff. And he's like, no, screw all that. I'm going to Solidar." But the only one, I, I don't want to sound like a gatekeeper or anything, the only foreign group that was of any use was Swampy. Uh, but at the same time, they brought two vehicles and eight people and two Russian speakers. And I've been doing it long enough. I was like, well, you brought a crowd, but they were great, you mm-hmm. know, but you what are you going to do? Bring a full car into Solodar and, and, you and know, take and, one person out. But, but no, he, he, he was great. Everyone was great. And there was a few like ex army guys. Like I, they came and went Mozart group showed up. Uh, there was a guy named Steve who I met, who are we? And they got guns and, and I didn't have my gun with me. Um, and none of the civilian workers who were doing this had guns except Dimitri. Um, and they're showing up with AKs and looking all slick. And, I was like, oh, right, 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 right. You're Steve, but I got to know him. I got to like him, got to talk to him, got to work with him. Uh, and my age was a real asset here, like being a bit older uh, to not like, to realize like, he's not, he's not yelling at me. He's just had a bad five minutes. Mm-hmm. Y- do you know what I mean? To be able to yeah. separate, to hold your tongue To for have that seconds. emotional maturity. And yeah. to know that you're going to be upset, but if you can keep your mouth shut in 10, 20 seconds, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Like, like, that's an asset. But it started getting hotter and hotter there. But all these NATO guys were like, oh, well, they've got sub-munitions, this munition, that munition. But I was working with Ukrainians, and they never grew up with this. Same as the army here. Well, let's drive 500 meters, find another soldier, stop and listen. How is it down there? He's like, oh, and let Philip do the talking, me get under a tree. And we kept pushing further and further east and further east and... I mean, these YouTube videos were starting to get views and I had no one on YouTube. One video got 20,000 views because I did a head-on with a tank one night uh, and the machine guns. And and, like you can hear, I was conscious to put this in. I was crying almost with fear. Like uh, we stumbled upon an army house. Evacuation, where have you guys been? You know, it's like, we've got 17 civilians held up in the school. And I I was like, "Uh, just tell me where to drive. Tell me where to drive. You know, and it's like and I don't want to fuck this up because i just taken soldiers in my car. Right. And Philip's like, you got to take them out to the safe place. In the top of West Soledar, there was like a bunker and Swampy and his guys are gone home for the night. And me and Philip thought we'd try one more, but we struck gold, but very hot gold. And uh, <laughs> I said, no, Philip, I might not be able to come back and get you. I might get scared and not come back and get you, is the truth. And um, w- when I came back, I was like, I got eight people out nine people out. And then like, like this is like a 15 minute time period of like, <gasps> you know? And and a tank came out of the trees like head on with me. I didn't know it was Ukrainian at the time. All I seen was that leather cap that I've seen since a childhood because yeah. of the fascination with the Soviet Union. Yeah. I pulled a hard left and, and the wheels lifted up but I managed to keep it straight. And I come run into the building, there's a Russian tank. <laughs> and and guns are flying too, like machine yeah, guns yeah, yeah. going overhead. Um and like, no, that's Ukrainian. And I'm like, oh God. But I left that in the video, like like my my, that my, authentic my scared, reaction Like yeah. sounding like I'm embarrassed. Um and a lot of people would but people were throwing me money left, right, and center. I was like, I'm gonna buy these generators and buying chocolate every day to bring to the people and like going down like in the basements with them and like there'd be like ten people living in these in in intricate basements and and uh and then one day he says we're gonna go to Knoff and and I told this woman I said please come and uh you know like if I you know if I get back from Knoff when we come back I'll come see you anyway. And we started doing these runs and okay so you know how enfilade and defilade works with a machine gun mm-hmm. and how a machine gun works? Well it was really bad on the Ukrainian side, but if you could drive through the cover through this quarry area, you get down to the bridge and you're in the dead ground. And there was anti tank mines. And that was new to me. And it's like, oh, you gotta drive around them like this. But the Russians know where you are. So then you're on the Russian side and you gotta hook a right real fast behind the buildings, then you're in the mortars. Okay? But but so we get
1: out of the machine gun into the anti tank so that you can get to the
2: mortars but park your vehicle up against the building yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and we found this family with these kids it was four kids and it's like you're gonna take us now get the babushka and then next thing you know okay everything and then a high caliber round flies over my head and fucking i i don't know but i kind of it wasn't a concussion but i just kind of lost like a and i hit the ground and then i got up and i was like but this is the truth like uh I didn't want to drive out. There was two vehicles. There was Victor, Philip, and me. And uh, when I had all these people, I held them up against a wall longer than they had to be under this. And there, there was a Ukrainian push coming forward. And I was like, volunteer, volunteer. Um, I didn't want to be the lead vehicle, scared to go through that that S-hook with the anti-tank mm-hmm. mines. Um, and Victor said, you go first, because I had them all with me. He got a couple more people. And I was like, oh, my God, my God got to the collection point in Blahadatne, where the ambulances were, where the church groups were, and Philip's still there. Like, he doesn't know what he doesn't know, this guy, you know. I know a bit more than him, enough to be scared. Mm. And uh, I said, we gotta go again, we gotta get more. There was seven, I think 16 people, something like that, 15. And I said, let's make a run for it. And what I would do when you come out of the tree line to the quarry, and you know, when the dust picks up here, um, I would wait to keep the space, between the vehicles i think 100 meters but it, you tell somebody they don't know what 100 meters is here 200 no. meters but i i didn't wait in a panic i wanted to get across and what you had to do you had to follow so the russians got this artillery where they can launch like anti-personnel mines and they kind of go all over yep. the place but i knew i had to follow the exact tracks and i didn't wait for that victor went around the corner uh, and i hit two anti-personnel mines and uh a big flame and a sense of heat. And it was more fear than anything. Um, and it was all on film. But I, 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 I managed to stop uh, the Pajaro about a meter from an anti-tank mine. Uh, so this is the gray zone, not rush, but still in the machine gun. Right. Um, Crossfire yeah, what yeah, it is. I got out, the whole car was, was mangled. Every window, every instrument smashed. And I managed to get my med pack, but I, I took a fall. There was an in law position, a Ukrainian in law position for ninety third brigade, and and they're like, what the fuck, and they drugged me out, you know. Um, eventually got me back to a house, um, and uh, they weren't going to evacuate that night because it was it things had changed. I don't know what happened to Philip, what were, happened to Victor. Were you the only person in the vehicle? Yeah, I was the only one in the vehicle. Okay. Um, my friend Dmitry came looking for me in Solidar that night, a volunteer, and. That's how I got out and blackout driving at about 20, he crashed into somebody head on. That happens. Um, they got me to Cramators Hospital uh, with the hemostats. They pulled something out of my ear. I I, I I blew my right eardrum and there was a lot of blood and dirt and it was about that big, um, like the end of a cigarette size. And then next day you're going to Nipro from Cramators Hospital and, and um, All these soldiers that I knew like National Guard guys and stuff were coming to see me in the hospital before I left and I was like wow you know like that's cool I don't know what that means that's cool yeah yeah and in Dnipro I'm in hospital and I was like what's happening and they're not telling me and oh you're you're in the the trauma ward here concussions oh I got a concussion well three to four days well guys are coming and going they're keeping me for 10 days and then they're, okay, you're going to Kiev. Uh, you're going to get evacuated because I didn't know what to say. I'm in an army hospital. What what brigade are you? I'm hospitalieri, hospitaler. And I, I didn't even know if am I still one? I'm doing this. Mm. And that's a big thing to have military medical coverage. Um, they sent me to Kiev. They kept me in hospital another 10 days. Scans. What were they telling you during this time as far as your condition? So my tempranic membrane in my right ear was gone. There was a wide hole that your eardrum. Uh, and I'd, I'd suffered a traumatic brain injury, uh, like a super concussion. And, you know, there, there were some days that were good and bad. Some days I was talking like, like a boxer who had a really hard career. Some days I was walking a bit funny. In Dnipro, I thought I was okay. I tried to sneak out of the hospital the second day. I, I shit myself at the gate, I'm, I'm telling the truth. You know, it was like, but yeah, they, it was about, I think all in all, it was about 25 days in hospital. But even then I knew what my footage was worth and I have to keep posting content. And now I'm wounded and and I don't want to sound cynical, like manipulative, but I came to buy generators. Let's turn this into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the media, uh, Odin plus Odin, which is the biggest network. They wanted to interview me in Kiev. Everything was coming my way. Like, like, like for the, for I'd, I'd seen, there was, there was, fifteen thousand dollars in the bank by the time the month I got out of the hospital I was like oh my god um, a Ukrainian Bitcoin miner even sent me like three thousand dollars but I had to go get it at this dodgy <laughs> place <laughs> their little Bitcoin uh, it's almost like a cash exchange yeah, but it's just yeah, Bitcoin yeah, yeah. stuff like, what the hell is uh, this but um, I I went back to my battalion commander after I got out of the hospital and I was almost ashamed like like I like I felt I did something wrong and I said you know I'm very sorry and you know you You've taken care of me all the way. And, and she says, "Never mind that. What do you want to do now? I said, well, I, I want to stay in battalion, but I, with respect, I, I don't want to go on normal rotations, not yet. I've learned about Donbass volunteers. I want to work like them, but I want to be a medical volunteer. And so well, well, what would you do? I'll continue the civilian work because it's getting money for these generators. Um, but a lot of times we're not like the army. We're moving up and down uh, a lot of ground. I'm, I'm seeing these stabilization points. I'm seeing these collection points. People are giving me med supplies, not not even our battalion stuff. I, I'd like to give them out. I'd like to do the civilian work and, you know, see how I can help the army that way. And she said, what do you need? Well, I need my passwords. Uh, I'd like my gun. I didn't think she'd give me that, like a foreigner to go off on mm-hmm. her own. She's like, okay, what else do you need? Uh, um, but little by little, I, I went back to the civilian work. And I built up a network of stabilization points. And then I'd use my social media, like, does anybody have this? And I, I could get supplies and and uh, I'd show up with ketamine because those doctors are tired. What do you need? They won't tell you. They don't have an imagination here. Mm. And i give them some ketamine, which was harder to get earlier in the war. And uh, okay, they give me a list. I get it for them. But, but because I was wounded or, you know, like my credibility went through the roof and then, then YouTube, and and I, I was starting to help Hospitolo teams, like logistically, because I knew the volunteers. Oh, you got tire problems? I know when Kramatorsk can do. One thing turned into another. I wanted 10 generators. Uh, the German guys who were bringing over supplies were bringing them for me. Um, it turned into 20 generators the first time, diesel generators. Um, we're on about 100. About I've, I've bought about 100 Motorola i've i've learned the whole process i was going to say you've done a lot of good stuff with radios too i saw which is a very very needed thing but i'm learning i'm learning about the radios and specifications like i didn't know vhf uhf i didn't know the ranges i now i'm learning about repeaters and i'm I'm trying to make this thing with a guy like how we can run one off a leisure battery to have a repeater and we'll, we'll dig a blendage a trench for a repeater like i haven't done it yet but i'm i'm but I, I had to stop the civilian work. Um, uh, I had another partner, a hospitaller for a while. Now I have a team designation. Um, so on paper, I'm a team commander. Um, but in reality, it's it's usually just me. Um, but in January, uh, January 6th, I got a call from my friend Ignot, who who's one of the more famous volunteers here and successful at civilian work evacuations. He said, uh, Andy and Chris, I don't know Chris. And I was like, Yeah, they, um, they went out to Solidar yesterday and no one's ever seen them since. And I said, Well, okay. I haven't been to Solidar. I have not been to Solidar in two months. I don't know Solidar like I used to. Local knowledge is everything here. It doesn't matter all the tactics. And it expires quickly. Yeah, because you'll... It's good for 48 hours and then there's you'll new... You'll get so it, comfortable yeah. in an area. You'll hear, yeah, that's a mortar coming from that way. We've got five seconds. Don't know where it's going to land, But it, it just becomes comfort, like a, like yeah. how cats and dogs don't react here. I said, okay, well, I asked Dimitri, who doesn't want to do anything civilian. I said, will you come with me? And uh, we'll go to Oleg's house. And I was like, oh, things are getting bad in Solidar. You know, because I, I wasn't tracking it, you mm. know. Um, and uh, we went we went there to 46th Brigade. I was like, oh, 93rd Brigade's not here anymore. Like, I'm, I don't know what's going on outside of what I need to know. And uh, they said, yeah, we'll radio up to the next command post. We have hospitalieri here and Volunteer, and this is the situation. And they said, right, so the perimeter road, there's the salt mine a lot of people would have heard of it was like a big rectangle north to south mm-hmm. and very like a perimeter road uh, the russians had the east side and then that was the day before they were on Dachnya. and when we came there they pulled a pivot movement and took the north Total side north, overnight so yeah. ignat said well when you go look for them can you go get the woman that they were supposed to get and there's also three more people where ate bay supermarket is when we got to the command post they radioed in and Dimitri's like, don't look at the Peters, look at the road. Um Peter is is the is a homophobic slant, uh by the way, but that's what we call the Russians. I don't call them orcs, I don't call them Russians. I've earned my place in this war, they're called Peters. You can judge it, but it's our war. Well, and for the record, it's more of cocksucker
1: than, than Well, yeah, than technically. For- <laughs> but, but that's
2: that's that's the Peters had taken the north side and we made it to the last command post down in the basement the commander spoke excellent english they were running a drone anyway and um and he said it's not possible he says uh they have to that side of the road and um I said okay well we did our best but had i not had a russian speaker there had i not had a relationship with the army which is is so important uh, um, i won't get into the details but like like uh on a tablet here if, if they're willing to share it's very important um it's life that death sometimes um and if i had taken the road i normally would have taken i would have been in line of uh, t72 yeah it's
1: one of the things it's actually the very first time you and i had gone long road the very first time you and i had contact i didn't know it was you i had no idea that you were the guy from instagram that i had followed but we were we're in a couple signal channels mm. similar signal channels And there was some talk about some training that was going to take place for civilian uh, volunteer organizations working around here. And that was one of the things we talked about as I was just throwing out there that I have met some amazing civilians that are brave, that are doing incredible things. Um, But the Uh. one, one thing that we just... We were seeing a lot in Donbass, and I say Donbass, and Bakhmut AO specifically, because like you just pointed out, when you're in an area, you only know that area, because everything outside of it has changed since the last time you were there. Yon. And I was working the Bakhmut AO at that time, and one of the things I was seeing was exactly what you just talked about, was great intentions, amazing courage, and and all I needed to try and get through was, guys, please take five seconds to reach out. Like, I'm happy to be a liaison. I work with military. All I work with is military guys, but we have tablets, drones, current intel, all of these things. Just reach out to us so that we can make sure you turn right instead of left and that sort of thing. And and that was one of the first discussions we had. And that's not to fault anybody. That's just to say, like, you just pointed out to highlight that it is a good mission plan with the best intel. And sometimes you don't have the best intel, but the best intel available in that moment,
2: when it's it's super hot
1: in that moment is, is everything. Like you said, it
2: can be the difference between life and death and two, two well-intentioned men uh, who, who had cumulatively saved hundreds of people where men with pretension here, who was like, Oh yeah, yeah, you got to do this, that I was in the army doing this. They came for one day, one week at the maximum uh, to do this sort of work. And they, they turned tail and left for whatever reason. Yeah. And these men did that work, and with good intentions. Uh,
1: yeah, I had never met them, but
2: from like, all accounts, they were two of the most selfless, incredibly courageous souls on the planet. Yeah, and uh, they didn't—they didn't have the language, so they just carried on as they normally would, not doing checking in at the, the next command post. You know, it's, like it's people don't realize here. A lot of them you just sit down and have a coffee with them. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's very nonchalant. Two kilometers away, it's but you just sit down with them, have a coffee, right? Okay, now we're going to show you. Will radio in for you, and uh, I couldn't get them. Um, and over the next, I had other. I have other work I do. That's anyway doesn't really matter. But, um, I I was from the sixth of January to like the thirteenth of January was my last day in Solidar, and I'd I'd never seen an advance have personally happen so fast once we lost that top ground. Um, like one day I got a recon guy, like he got cut off from his unit, like. We could go less further, less further. Um, and he's like, and he had a hole in his helmet. Like, pff, you know, and I was like, oh my God. Um, he's like, can you guys give me a drive to Bakhmut? Do you know? And and we only got to Blahadatne with that guy. And he didn't even say goodbye to us because his the, the remainder of his squad, what was left, he just seen them. He was like, oh, no, we beat. Out. And he just ran. And yeah. as, so after, um, I kept my mouth shut about the whole Andy Chris thing, uh, there was a lot of things that happened behind the scenes. Ignat, his brother Philip, they were instrumental dealing with the Donetsk police. SBU, Foreign Office was no help, but I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't post anything. I didn't, I, you know, because it's not public knowledge. I kept my mouth shut. But what I did, and and I lost a lot of respect for humanity, and I've, I've gained a lot here. I posted in one of those signal groups to people who could be in Hong Kong, Ping Pong, Lviv, they could be in Donbass. I said, here's the situation today in Soledad. Uh I'm writing this because I knew a German volunteer was gonna go deliver water today. Uh, there's two volunteers missing. This is the ground we've lost overnight. Um, please don't go there. And then you'll get like these guys who like write on these things like bravado shit like, oh, well, I go do this and uh, shut the fuck up, whoever the hell you are. Like, I'm just telling you what it's like on the ground. I don't know what your job is, but, you know, if if you're evacuating casualties, that's one thing. If you're going to deliver water, doing a bread run, it's a bit hot in Bakhmut today for that. You know, I I, I don't contribute much to those groups. But from that one little thing, and I, I probably typed in there a few times, it turned into like 1,800 messages from people between Lviv, Kiev. Everyone wanted to have their piece on it. And and there was only really four people who could have contributed. But I, I just, I meant that. Like, just don't go to Solodar, yeah. And I told them why. Oh, and at the end of the day, you're simply providing information. Don't put your If hand, they
1: choose not to follow it, like that's a child, fine. But don't don't, don't put your hand on it.
2: that burner. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was pretty much done and mentally checked out with this. I'm going back on rotation. I'm going to go work on a med point. I'm not doing this civilian work anymore. Um, and med points can be really busy. They can be boring, and uh, I've I got to do what I got to do. And and then I met Pete Reed, and, oh, uh, and Jesus, what an intelligent, intelligent high flying individual! I didn't know you knew Pete. And awesome. uh, and uh, he he wanted to meet me through someone. Not that I'm special, but someone I knew knew someone. And he's like, yeah, I really want to meet you, and uh, and we met in Konstantinivka and he said i'm gonna do this 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 and this and i was like, okay uh my first question who's your ukrainian oh i got roman i was like yeah roman knows what he's doing i said why don't you what why don't you do this tell roman everything but let him poke holes through it you know and plan around that or why don't you ask him what he wants to do and use all your experience and and qualifications and and stuff and support that and he was kind of like I said, uh, I said, why don't you? He says, where can I get a building? Um, He said, we're going to evacuate civilians as Bakhmut becomes encircled. And I said, where are you going to take them? Do you have a building if you can't get them to like Procroft's train station? Do you have a church group? No, where could I get a building? I said, well, olx.com.ua, you'd find a property or you go to civil administration. I said, how do I go to them? I said, why don't you let Roman do it? And he said, well, no, I want to do it. I said, yeah. But this is a good way to shit test your Ukrainian if he's any good, because if he's a Donbass volunteer and he doesn't know these people, then it's it's just yeah. like us checking out the LARPs. It's yeah. the same thing. Um and the, the Ukrainians can be critical because they are your network to everything. Yeah. Nah. But I was burnt out and checked out. And uh I didn't give Pete the credit that he deserved either. Like I was a bit uh, yeah, I was a bit arrogant too. Like I was like, listen, welcome to Donbass, mate. But I was telling I wasn't telling them any lies. I said, take mm-hmm. it slow. And he says, uh, and we need to get encrypted radios. I says, uh, no, G- get good radios, but don't get them encrypted and just let, let don't speak English on them. Let, let the Russian speakers do it because what you're talking about is not important. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of insulted him like I didn't mean to. Uh, but what you're talking about is not important, like in terms and there's so much radio traffic. It doesn't involved. matter to the Russians. If it's, you're on encrypted, yeah. you just lost priority. Because uh, I, I know a bit about electronic warfare. I've learned it here. You know, I've I've seen things probably I shouldn't see. Like, ooh, that's a cell phone. That's Russian. That's, a, a, you know, I understand a bit about it. And I said, listen, good luck with it. I'll get you. I'll get you a benzene generator. I'm not get uh, a gasoline generator. I'm not gonna give you. Uh, but I'll, I'll get you some stuff. And I did. And uh, I never heard tell of them again. But this this American paramedic went to work with them and they were doing good work. But I'll tell you what Pete did between his—I think he wasn't even here a month—he managed to unify a couple NGOs, and they're all clout chase. No, they're not all clout chasers. That's wrong. But but there the, are clout the bad chasers. ones stick out to it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it ruins it. He managed to get two NGOs to work together completely for the same goal, and I don't know anyone who'd accomplished that. Um, he had saved many people, developed relationships with the army. Like on the highway from Slovyansk to Bakhmut, that used to be like an ambulance taxi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting so much. I'd never, I'd never heard of. I didn't see it myself, but from people I trusted, he accomplished more in a short time here than anybody. So like, I'm not. I felt bad, like like when 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 he. I heard I was there's a man named Jordan Cyril ambulances for Ukraine. He comes over with good shit. And I mean good shit. He's helped me a couple times. And um, I was so excited to meet him in person once. And they were setting up a new stabilization. And it looked good. And all the boys, these uh, he had like three, four ambulances already on the go, um, Pete. And J- the moment Jordan left, I was like smoking with him. I was like, yeah, can I get a bit of this? Can I get some glucose? Can I get some NACL, some fluids? And I was like, they were really well stocked. I was like, can you help me? No problem, Brandon. You know, like. That's what Pete wanted that to be. And then all of a sudden, one of them comes running and is out. He's like, Pete's dead. And I was like, and uh, and we think three others. And uh, right away, they're all professionals, no reaction. Okay, what do we got to do? Where do we got to go? And I was thinking, holy shit. And I was like, I hope Roman didn't, like, I accept that Pete's dead. And I was like, I hope Roman didn't die. Because all that local knowledge is a volunteer here, like, I value lives. And I valued his, I valued Pete's, but yeah. anyway, uh, there was a Norwegian medic. It's it's all on the internet. It's all well documented. Yep. Um, but Swampy was involved in the recovery of the body. Um, I I was so checked out. There's nothing I can contribute. Keep your mouth shut. If you can't contribute, um, I think that fucks Swampy up because he's a he's a he's done a lot of work here. But that's you know that's that um i i only solely work with the army now um I, I spent six weeks working like a nurse um and studying i'm trying to get my als license that's like below a paramedic i don't i don't need it here but uh i, I want it studying um doing a lot of medication administration like a taxi i did that for six weeks like bringing guys to uh, the hospital for like guys were getting pulled out winter was very hard you know Um, they were getting pulled out, colds, flus, COVID, concussions. Um, some of them would even have to go to a psychiatrist. Uh, you don't think about that here. Real quick assessment. Are you a danger to yourself or others? You know, like that, that kind of welfare. Um, yeah. Bach AO specifically. And I just keep
1: speaking to it because that's where I was for the winter was a black hole for the soul. Mm -hmm. It it really was. It was
2: difficult on anybody that spent time there um, for all of the reasons you just listed last day I was east of the river was the 12th of January. And even I would start watching Deep State. And I was like those, because I knew the evacuation, all you could get was M113, MK And then once the hospital closed, which was much earlier, then it was over the hill. I was like, that it's not a long distance, but that's like a lifetime. And I, because I, uh, I, evacuation's my thing. Um, but then I moved on um, uh, to Avdivka Direction. Um, they kind of call me Rishala it's kind of like a fixer because I can't I, I'm not much to brag myself up but I don't even think a Ukrainian could do what I do never mind I get the money from social media but like say I'm looking for some random shit I'll walk into a, like like some Ukrainians watch my YouTube that's kind of cool yeah, yeah Um, I'll walk into like a random gas station I'm thinking shit where am I going to find this today and and I'm with Thirty Six Brigade and we're trying to get something to help Fifty Three Brigade. But I'll go to Konstantinivka because I know people there, Kramatorsk. I'll, I'll try my luck. And someone says, Brandon. And because they all remember me because I'm the foreigner and I don't know his name. But with a bit of Russian, a bit of Google Translate and pictures, it's like, yeah, this is what I need. And he's like, come with me down to the road, down to the company headquarters. We've got that. But a lot of things like that happen for me here, like with random people they'll know and they always want to help us like do you ever feel ashamed that we're not doing enough because of how much they they wipe our asses i'm telling you it's one of the things to enable us
1: to work it's one of the things i talk about to people especially and i try to stay off of social media's mm-hmm. red versus blue versus should we be here nonsense but when i hear anyone say anything about a ukrainian being ungrateful i'm like tell me you've never been to ukraine without yeah. being to ukraine because everybody is finding their way to help and to do something and i've yes to answer your question i feel like a douche all the time because i'm like please stop putting me on a pedestal because you are doing far more than i am and and i'm learning from you as a human being yeah. like yeah yeah they will they will drop everything and go out of the way to help and and not only help foreigners they do it for each other too of like course they're they're, they're Definitely the definition of shirt off their back
2: for everybody, but there's a lot of old boys in the army here Like you don't think about this like you see a young guy kitted out um, And looks like but there's a lot of old guys like uncles like you'll see him changing a tire and mortar alley and the old boy will come out. That's not how you do it. This is how you do it young lad and he's got the humility He's gonna learn like me buying generators all the time. That was great I didn't even realize, Jesus, power inverters that you hook up to your car battery. I didn't know till I knew. He's like, "Uh, can you get me one of those? And then some guy's like, yeah, we use those because we can run the engine and we can charge a drone pretty fast. And I was like, why didn't I think? of? But they're
1: so simple solutions. They're fine. Very ingenuitive. And you were just talking about the tire changing thing. I told you earlier I had all kinds of issues with tires. Well, one of them was that underpass when you're coming down on the left and you're coming into Bakhmut, you go under the underpass where the one lane was blown up for the longest time yep. and you turn around and go right into Bakhmut. This is obviously before the Russians had before, that territory. Before we blew the bridge. But right before, yep. I was coming through there and caught shrapnel in my one tire, completely blew it off the rim and so I'm sitting and there are incoming mortars going off, machine guns going off, yep. and two different Ukrainian vehicles turned they were coming down from Krasnohor Road to turn right to go towards Comitars. But they turned left to come in and all get out and help as if you need six people to change a tire. Yay. But see so you're right. The same way you just said it, it was like, oh hey, here, we'll get down there and do it for and I'm sitting there going I wish I had this on tape right now because you guys are literally acting like I just pulled into Jiffy Lube. Yeah. While mortars are going off around us, machine guns going off. Oh, they're all are all It was eight inches of mud, so I'm down in the mud covered in mud and they're all just, here, you try my tire iron. Here, let's do this.
2: and I'll go grab some bricks to help you prop that up. But, but it's, yeah. it's like, it's those things how I got to know people. Like, I think a lot of people miss out here if they're so caught in, like, their old world. Like... Uh, Work on the civilian work with Philip. Donbass taxi kind of started. You'd see troops walking down the road, whatever. And, and a lot of this work we're doing, say, sometimes it's really close. But in in Lemonsky region where we worked a long time, it's about two kilometers back mm-hmm. between the road to Kremenchug. Oh, up, you can go up to Luhansk, and and uh, yeah, sometimes it was pretty shitty. Sometimes it's calm, but you'd see them walking back like two kilometers back and offer them a drive. And they, they'll accept it. <clears throat> and I'd just say, yeah, it's the uh, Donbass taxi. And then I'd say, fake taxi. And they'd all know what fake taxi is, <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> and they'd laugh. And then they'd end up taking us back to the house, have a coffee. And then maybe you'd stumble upon a command post. And it's like, what are you doing here? Like, if you use your NATO mind. <clears throat> it's like, can you help us? Can yeah. we help you? And uh, one day I'm doing a civilian evacuation. And I love Steve from Mozart. And I love them. Can't say enough good about Steve. I've heard things said about Mozart Group. I can't talk about it. That's not my personal mm. experience. But they're rolling with like, I don't know, three vehicles and they're coming to where we're going and it's like, we don't really work with them. And uh, there's this guy, Andy Milburn. I get chatting with him. He seems like a cool guy. I start making, oh, where are you from? Christchurch in England. Oh, so you're a posh, you're a posh taff, are you? And born with, it's 10 miles away. You know what I mean? I've lived there for years. Nice guy, all this. Yeah, we're gonna set up a van and a command post here with a Starlink, and it's like okay, yeah, because it, it's always good to have the emergency vehicle to ferry them out, uh, civilian evacuations, and they end up going down this road to another area. We go do our jobs, and it's like they've gone missing. It's like where are they? And there was there was like seven of them between two vehicles, and uh there was was Milburn, the big boss himself, and. You know, good for him coming in, you know. And uh, what they did, they went, started all foreigners with their one translator. Uh, They went too close to a command post, which is a house. So they all got arrested. It's like, what are you foreigners doing here? And um, I knew the commander. Philip knew the commander. We've had coffee with him. You don't go to a Ukrainian and say, right, I want this, 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 this. Yeah, right. Hi, how are you? What's you? you know? And you drink some coffee yeah, with him. Yeah, no one's shooting, no, one's, a little no bread. one's shooting at us yeah. right now. Like, so yeah. we had that. All their passports got taken away. And um, it was apparently like a two-hour affair. But I'm the only one in uniform with a Chevron on and I got a gun. And, and there's a lot of simple-minded people out there in the world. I'm not saying they are, but they treat me better because I've got that. So it's, it's more diplomatic, yeah. as, as weird as that sounds. And I just told them, I said, listen, we can't leave without them. Okay, like this guy's a good guy. I don't know about the rest of them out there. I've just met them. But we can't leave without them. But what happened is they radioed up to command. It's already going up the chain of command. They can't even let them go if they want to. Right. And I'm just nonchalant. I was like, listen, are we going to be a while? Because I'm going to have a sleep, <laughs> you know? And and Steve's like, what my country? He's getting frustrated. What my country does for Ukraine? That's not even on their radar, you know. Like they had five guys dead yesterday, you know, whatever. Yeah. And what happened? They weren't going to let them go. So I started making this motion. I, I Steve, I, I told him what I'm going to do, and he's like, "Don't do that. That's ridiculous." And I've I've got a tattoo from my first weekend leave in the army on my rear side, and um. I even forget I have it sometimes, you know, that was a lot of years ago. And I showed them my passport, you know, you know me, see, Canada, Canada, uh, I'm not a spy, Nespion. And they're like, that. I was like, beta, my passport. And then I bent over. And I bent over and showed them my bare ass made in Canada. And they just, big Ukrainian men, start bursting laughing, you know what I mean? Like, this guy's a major, there's a private beside him, one's got a hole in him. And Steve's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, because he's, he's an American gentleman, you know what I mean? Like a perfect gentleman. And they, I don't know what happened, but never mind the radio to command, in about 40 seconds, all their eight passports got handed <laughs> over. And and I'd stop and see him. (laughs) The Made in Canada tattoo did the trick. And uh, they all pulled back to the point uh, where the collection vehicle was, and there was this guy named Martin, this major, whatever, is like, this is bullshit. You know, we come here and help with this. And I'm going to have dinner with the brigade commander tonight. We don't eat dinner. We Gas stations are closed by the time we get home at night. If you forgot to buy something a few days ago, you're not eating. Yeah. Or you're scrounging through humanitarian packages of, yeah. like, dried pasta and eating it plain. And he's talking about have dinner with a brigade commander. Like, it was just so off. No, it, and that's one of the things. Might have had something to do with a shell going off 500 meters from him for the first time in his life while oh, we're leaving Jesus now maybe well and you were you
1: were talking Welcome earlier jungle you bitch. were talking earlier about the NGO issues one of in and, and I'll reiterate like you said there are some phenomenal NGOs yeah. doing great work but I have people ask all the time in the wake of Mozart group mostly because they were doing very similar work to what our group does a yep. lot of people ask that question and some other high visibility people uh that were doing work over here that have had fall, fall from grace, we'll call yes. it. Um, a lot of people have asked, like, how do, you, how do you know? Like, who's authentic and who's not? And I always, it always comes down to how do they treat the Ukrainians, for me? Because as soon as I meet a new NGO or a new volunteer or something, and if I see them talk to the Ukrainians as if the Ukrainians owe them something or they're special, they're not here to help the Ukrainians. They're here for themselves. And when I come across those people who have done a ton of things mm-hmm. and have worked really hard, But all they talk about is how incredible the Ukrainians are. That person's here for the Ukrainians. And that is literally my
2: super simple filter They treat them like assets. And that's that's an attitude from two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that we lost, by the way. We lost. Any way you want to look at it. And how did we treat them? Like assets. Yeah. Uh, and no, nope. and, and, and it lets
1: you know, and the thing is, is the, there's a little deeper to what I was just making very mm. simple. It lets you know that they haven't spent time in the front. Because if you've been at the front any period of time, you know that the Ukrainians have a lot to teach us. The and the Ukrainians are incredible, and my God, they will do anything for you. Mm-hmm. And so if you come in with this attitude of, look... I'm here to teach you guys how to do this. That means you've never seen it done because you would know, obviously there's things you can do to provide value and help, but, but the Ukrainians aren't a bunch of little children that need the help from NATO. These guys are incredible.
2: No. And, and and like I said, there's a couple guys from Mozart who I work with. I will defend them till the day I die, you know, because mm-hmm. I've seen the work they've done. Uh, I've heard bad things about the organization. Maybe some attitudes from some of the people. That makes sense. That makes sense, but I don't know. Yeah. But there's people that come here to build their CV uh one organization only hires navy seals best of the best of the best you know like the best guy he ever had was a marine and he's like sorry i can't pay you because it doesn't go it goes with our business model like we're getting money from guys from texas oh the best of the best are training them that guy left me hanging to teach attack med course and he promised me and he blanked me and i found out what he was doing he had another engagement but he was using me as his backup plan and i if i in Ukraine, you have to pursue multiple avenues, uh, and you have to pursue them till you have one firmly in your hand. But I've always been honest about, okay, yeah. I'm going to keep pursuing everything, uh, but I'll let you know. And uh, Well, and you also have to remember that the person you just made that promise to is
1: doing the same thing. They're trying to make sure they have a plan to get yeah. what their people need, and if you
2: tell them you are that plan... And if, yeah. you, if, you, if you've earned the trust of a unit, you don't want to break it. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't earned the trust of theirs yet, and you're new there, and you break it, you'll never get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing, and I think people can only answer this in their heart for themselves. I'm, I'm coming on 13 months here. Um, I know in my heart, I don't make a distinction between a Ukrainian and a foreigner's life. And, and a lot of people, the people on the internet, like the media blows, it, 10 volunteers died in January and and the Polish ones didn't get any media press, uh, you know, in the Western world. The Ukrainian ones certainly didn't, but, um, you know, Andrew Bagshaw, rightfully so, Chris Perry, rightfully so, Pete Reed was, and people, it's, it's the storyline. It's uh, we're all I'm not justifying it. No, and it, yep. it keeps the war going. I guess I don't know, but no, I'm not justifying. But it. why? Do, like, why do I? Do you know how much donations I get a month? Like, like I, I, I played it straight. I, I live on between five hundred and a thousand dollars a month, and everybody who's hanging out with me eats better. When we get to come to town, I live a privileged life. Uh, I really do, but I've I've played it straight with everything I've done here, um, and like. I don't want long stories. I don't want him. Yeah, okay, I know you support Ukraine because you wouldn't be writing me otherwise. I've become real. Just give me plus, minus, Like, tell me, what do you need? Swampy was the man I admired the most here, and I don't even think he likes me. That's my own insecurity. But we would talk once a month, and it was always like, I need this. Do you have it? Or yeah. I have this. Do you need it? Yeah. And I trust him. Like, And just don't make promises you can't because yeah. these people...
1: I mean, people are relying on it for life and death situations. Yeah,
2: and and yeah. and to tell a Ukrainian, and and if you can't do it for them, tell them, tell them. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I'm I'm really privileged in this country, and um, and and this is yeah. this is my ego, because I've I've built a social media platform. There's been some YouTubers who backed me. So huge. I've. I don't know. I, I don't know if, if you'll understand this, but I started sharing other people's work. And every time I did that in the beginning, I was like, well, shit, I've only got such a following. That means I'll get less money to do my work. It wasn't limelight, I swear to God, but it's like, I'll get less money to do my stuff. And uh, I shared them. Guess what? They got support. I got more support. Because um, that authenticity really is what attracts.
1: It might not attract the most people but it attracts the people who have the heart to give
2: Mm -hmm. the people who are going to actually do something about it, appreciate authenticity. When another volunteer offers to help somewhere, if I don't have a use for you, I don't have use for you. Well, if you're not in Ukraine, if you're not in Donbass, you're going to be here two days late. Um, but whenever I've asked help from other volunteers, um, sometimes I'm, Little, like, this is childhood shit. I'm scared, well, I'll lose my value to this battalion. You know what I mean? Like, if they're doing more, I'll have less to do. But every time I've... Shut up, Brandon. And I said, no, you know, this is... This is... Jesus. um. There's a Ukrainian volunteer, never been to Lomonsky Regon. Smoking hot girl. I met in Kiev with one of my friends who's a hospitaler in our battalion. And she says, I'm going to Lamonsky regon uh, I was like, oh, have you been there before? No. I said, well, do you want any help there? Not not like get involved, but, you know, if you need any contacts, mm-hmm. uh, we do. I do jobs for the police there. Um, I know a lot of the volunteers. I can, you know, where this brigade is or where there's... And she's like, no, I don't need any of that. And, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you think because I'm a foreigner, I don't know anything about you've never been yeah. there. And I was resentful. Six weeks later, he rings me up, not her. Brandon, you know the radios that you're bringing, right? Uh, Lena wants, uh, if it's possible, that uh, you can get uh, eight radios, or no, it was no, it's four radios um, for these guys, uh, White Angels. And I was like, who are they? Whatever. And I said, well, I only have so many radios, you know. And I, I had twelve to spare. And what I did, I said, well, who are they? I says, okay. They're Donetsk police. They're special, special branches of the police that deal with civilian evacuations. But I called everyone in Donbass. And this is the truth. If you don't trust me after this, um, I was actively not trying to prove who they were. I was trying to disprove their deservingness of the radios because she hurt my feelings two months ago. And I'm just telling you the truth. It's humanity. Like, yeah. yeah. And because she hurt my feelings, someone who needs radios shouldn't get radios. And... Um, I found out how legitimate they were and then I I did the right thing. Um, But there's been a handful of times I I don't want to share other people's stuff because I'll get less support. I've done it every time. And the social media keeps growing. Like um, I do help other volunteers financially sometimes. Uh, Some of them I ask them, will you come up with part of it too? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to wipe your ass. Um, And people have helped me. Some people haven't helped me and I wonder why sometimes like maybe because I have a bigger platform, but like all the resources I have, sometimes I can't get that one specific thing, mm-hmm. but but overall, I think I 70-80% think of us are as good as gold, I, I honestly do. Yeah,
1: well, it's like
2: any part of society. There's bad Ukrainians too. It's
1: any part of society, the ones that suck just stand out. So there are it's I've had to do the introspective, step back, take a moment, readjust my perspective because I start to feel like everybody here sucks. All the volunteers. I should I should clarify. I've never had a legitimate hardcore problem with Ukrainian. Mm. Foreigners are always the ones that mess it up. Not all foreigners, but if something gets in my craw. It's always a foreigner. I should clarify that. But where I step back and like you just said, most people are doing their best. And like you just were extremely authentic about, we're also all human and we yeah. also all make decisions sometimes I based be on emotion. Of that, you know what I mean? I but, should be ashamed but of everyone that. Everyone does it. And yeah. as long as everyone's honest with each other, we can get we can get forward. Not to mention throw in the element of what a lot of people are dealing with every day. Stacking bodies and then talking about it like it's
2: building ikea kitchens
1: yeah we're going through experiences so as long as everyone's authentic and honest and has the right motivation you get through but
2: it. i've had it done to me you know like someone i need an extensive list oh i'm so and so i can do this yeah. it's got to go right to the sources you can't do that hospitalers is we're seconded to battalions you can't send us seven pallets of unspecified supplies well if it's not going to make a lie if it's not going anywhere but if you bring it to our headquarters yeah. within about six weeks it will get distributed from no and, and then, I had
1: somebody offer us. It's so funny. You bring that up. I had somebody offer us stuff and it changed. had to go to Bakhmut. And I was like, I'm in Bakhmut, And I know for a fact, we don't need any of this, but I've got a team in Kherson that really needs this has to go to Bakhmut. Like, Do you want it to go to the people that need it? Or do you want to make sure that the headline on your Instagram is what the most popular talked about city is in Ukraine My right God. now?
2: Um, yeah. But it, like I, I got a letter once in and the letters are, I, I can get the letters um the brigade stamp because they they need that for accountability to their donors too like there's there's a big thing behind that there's thousands and thousands of dollars i just fundraise myself so i can do whatever the hell i want when i need to
0: you know if if i
2: need to run to neat to buy something quick i've got four grand to do that um but like i got her the letter and she maybe she thought i couldn't get the letter or whatever and we needed these things and and uh and then once I got her the letter, oh, sorry, Brandon, we're focusing on more urgent needs now. Like the next day after she promised me if I got her the letter. And you know where she was bringing it? Bakhmut Hospital. That was the biggest tourist destination in Donbass next to the sign. Because yeah. you have to take a picture by that sign or you were never in Donbass. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's, you know, there's so many good people. Uh, there's so many, there's so many bad people. There's so many, you didn't ask this, but I I, I want to explain it as I understand it. Like people, people say, oh, there's so much corruption in Ukraine. There might have been on the high end. There might be now. I don't know. I know Zelensky hit a purge. But what I do see at the brigade and battalion command level, a lot of them don't share resources with each other. And what I've come to realize, it's a scarcity mentality and it's a fear that they won't see again. Uh, one organization donated 25 diesel generators uh, to 93rd Brigade and 93rd brigade is famous they held solidar for so long but when they left solidar and 46th brigade came they took the generators they took the generators yeah. and of course because they you're not going to give up your armored plates as a soldier mm-hmm. to another guy oh well i i've got three weeks off you know you should have these because you you're going to go back i'm going to see shit. them again yeah um yeah, i'm not going to give you my assets my cossacks my artillery but there's a lot of resources like that, like. that, I don't, I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know how to solve it. But if, if I was a commander, maybe I'd make a bad commander. I'd say, yeah, we've got to worry about life and death in three weeks. You're worrying about it right now. I probably would, I probably would break the rules. I don't know if it's a rule or not. And I probably would offload about 20% of my assets if I was a commander. Like, but I. But you also understand the position they are in. He's responsible for his men. So like, there's a, there is a lot of asset hoarding. uh, But I think it's purely out of, I can only, I can only help people ask me for a generator. To take care of my guys. It's like, I don't have enough resources to help the people I know no. in Donbass. It's like, no. yeah, I did want, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask
1: you because this was something that you posted. I don't know when, but on your Instagram that, that stuck out to me because it's something I say all the time. And you made the comment and I have no idea. I don't remember what the video was about or what the context was, but the caption was, the reason that I'm here is not the same reason that I came. And that's something I say to people all the time. So I'd like you to talk about that for a second.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Reason you came versus why you stayed. So before my first rotation, uh, there was a class on ultrasounds at a battalion headquarters and there's a girl there. I think she's quite cute. You know what I mean? She's, she's like the girl next door. There's a few of of those in you. Yeah. But, um, you know, she's, she's cute. She's, she's a short chubby little girl, but she's got the smile on her like this. And and I, I, maybe that had something to do with it, you know, but I asked her, what is your uh, specialty in medicine? And she's like, uh, I'm a neurosurgeon. And do you know how they say it's not rocket science? It's not brain surgery. Hers is brain surgery. It's like, I just signed on as a gunner uh, in charge of the security of a team. And these ambulance crews are getting thrown together. We even have veterinarians, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, oh there's a lot of damn a, good medics. There's a lot of veterinarians you know, doing medical I know work, yeah. gynecologists in the army now dealing with, yeah, if you can deal with that, you can deal with that. Yeah. Um, it's a whole sorry. Um, but when she said that, just so unassuming to me, I was holy shit, what have I done my whole life? You know, like my business failed, my everything failed. and But I thought about this very quickly and, and like a feeling came over me. She followed this well-disciplined path, and if she survives this war, imagine the things she could go on and do with, we could all do, but a neurosurgeon. And and I just felt, I'm responsible for her life. You know, Dima is an anesthesiologist. You know, there, there's so many Ukrainian kids, is what I've come to learn here. They didn't choose this. I joined the army cuz I didn't feel man enough so I like I didn't know but that flag on my arm was like a to be part of that's why I joined the army big. that's yeah. the truth yeah. they didn't do that none of them did that um the other night that guy uh, who showed up with three helmets for us at our old house that I don't know when you're going to post this but our house got blown up by aviation it was a direct it was a deliberate attack uh, I'll post that in another week or two um and this American guy came and stayed overnight and he's going hanging out with the boys in Kramators those guys and he, he wants to, he, he's upset because they won't make him an officer here and uh, and um, he, he said to Maxime, was one of the last men at a Krasnahora. These guys came to our house knocking on the door um, can we stay with you for a couple of days? We don't drink we're clean we'll help like like all over to us please sir I'd like some more and uh, he's 116 recon what they do with less, uh, how many friends they've lost, the the line, their job is to stabilize lines or to hold, that is their fucking job Mm -hmm. to stay, to hold the circle when other units are failing. That is 116 Recon's job. He was a plumber before February 24th. And this guy, um, he says to him, he speaks perfect English, says to the American boy, uh, were you in the army before? Yeah, I was in Calvary. What's that? It's like reconnaissance. In, and Maxime, who's done all this, he's like, oh, so you're a real soldier. So innocent. It's like Maxime yeah, doesn't right, consider yeah. himself a real soldier. He was a plumber before this. Yeah. And this guy uh, and British boys are the same Canadian. There's been just as many Canadians slung out for lying here as, as as Americans or anyone else. Um, but this whole, yeah, I went to Afghanistan once and i seen some shit or or, or like my buddy, my my friend of my friend died on that tour We've all seen some shit in life, but it's no one to judge. You know, your, your reality is your reality. But I know, you know, there's there's legitimately, with Maxime's machine gun and his 6,000 euros that he spent of his own money on his thermal scope that has a 9,000 joule resistance that he didn't know about before this, that I didn't yeah. know about before the war, Um, for what it's worth in life, he's probably killed 30, 40 Russians with that and lived and his friends didn't. But he looks to this guy, As a real who's, soldier. who's being a dickhead. He's being yep. quite arrogant there. Oh, you're a real soldier. Yep. And and that's why I'm here. And uh, I if I've got to go home for a couple of weeks to sort out real life problems, but I'm going to go speak to media. I'm going to go not fundraise for my own thing, but to my my battalion, uh, to other organizations, or I'm going to talk to them about like international aid in Germany. If you're German, support them. Hell, you might even have something they want. Mm-hmm. We've got like 15,000 donation of like something that they really need, because it's in Germany, because they'll trust another German. Mm-hmm. Seth in in Holland, uh, like I've, I've, I've told people, you're from Holland, don't talk to me, talk to him. Um, I, I'm gonna go do that for a few weeks, as long as I can be useful. But I'm, I'm gonna come back to Ukraine, um, and if they die, if they have to die, I want to die with them, but if something's worth dying for, it, it's worth living for. It's worth living for. Um, so that's. I wanted to ask that because I'm sure that's why I that's I, I didn't I didn't
1: know that till I came here till I till I've been yeah. with them. I didn't get that question so much lately because this has gone on way longer than any of us thought when we first showed up here. But in the beginning, every single Ukrainian I met same question. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Like mm-hmm. you could just be back in the United States, living your life with your friends and doing your thing. Like, why did you come here? And, and I say all the time, do you want the answer to why I came or why I'm here?
2: Because they're not the same at all. I couldn't answer it simple. I had to tell it to you that way. Yeah. Cause she didn't have to do this either. She was an intern yeah. neurologist in Lviv. She could have gone West. And that's what did it
1: for me was uh, the number of people I met Stepped who were up. showing up Stepped up. To go fight and finding out this guy was a GQ model. Literally, this is a true story. Yeah, And had all the contacts to just piss off to Europe. Has never held a gun in his life, but my family's here and I don't want them to die and I don't wanna be Russian, so we're gonna do this. The businessman who has millions of dollars in the bank account, who's in the same trench as the skateboarder kid who lives in the ghetto. And their best friends, like all of them just going, no, I have the context to leave, but I'm not doing it. And I'm not only not leaving, I'm going to put a gun in my hands that I don't know how to use. I'm going to watch YouTube videos for 7,000 straight hours to learn everything I can mm-hmm. and then train with you guys to learn everything I can and then go fight like that made this a family for me to where I don't look at it as I'm helping Ukrainians anymore. I am here. I'm part of this family. We're all the same family and we're all doing this together. Oh is, my God. Is the
2: answer for why I'm still here as opposed to why did I come? I'm proud to get wounded for Ukraine. Like I yeah. really, it's not, you know, like, you know how like we have pissing contests. I, I made a joke with the boys the other day. It's like, uh, one guy's like, um, he's like, uh, yeah, I had two concussions. And the other guy's like, <laughs> I had three. Yeah, I had four It's yeah. like, who's got the longer dick? Oh, I got seven. Yeah. yeah. You know, but they go back. Yeah. Um, but but one thing, like in America, you got veterans clubs. Like we got the Legion in Canada. We got whatever. There's this real thing, and it's it's very real in all our cultures. It's like, oh, what did you do? Oh, I was in one para. I was in 82nd uh, Airborne. What were you? There's none of that here. And if we ever if we ever survive this, um, if there is like those veterans clubs. It doesn't matter if you're a third assault, if you're 46th Brigade, 93rd Brigade, what did you do during the war? I was a Heimar operator. You were an infantry because I always thought it had to be infantry. That's why yeah. I didn't want to join the infantry. I wanted to be a dog handler because I, I like dogs, but I had to join the infantry. And that's what I you know I, um they it, it don't matter. Oh, what did you do? I was a volunteer. What did you do? Um I was the I was the radio programmer in Lviv. I pro- programmed a thousand radios, come have a beer with us. Yeah. I was the nerd who figured out how to make a drone that could hold two grenades. Awesome.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, Like, everybody's
2: yeah. contributing yeah, in their yeah. own Dimitri, way. Dimitri, Novus, Sp- Post, Spetsnaz. And uh, yeah. everybody who did it will be able to hold their, hang yeah. their hat. in. Yeah. And it's funny, you bring, it's the it's, you bring up the wounded
1: thing. It's, tour, it's total war. You bring up the wounded thing. That was one of the war. most humbling things for me that I talk about with my guys. I'm like, man, do you remember when we were in and we were deploying... And if a dude caught one piece of shrapnel to his leg, you're like, you're a Purple Heart guy. You're this. And they're probably done. Like, they don't fight again. Like, they did it. They fought for the country. They got wounded. Here, these guys, I literally had to grab a guy because his ear was gone, blood pouring down the side of his face. And he was mad at me because I was forcing him to leave. He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm like... You're at least going back to the stabilization point yep. before I let you fight any further. And of course, there's a little bit of concussion mixed in there as to why you're not disarmed? thinking that way. Uh-huh. But 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 these guys will put a tourniquet on their leg and then try to go and fight again in two days. And they're not looking for a, any medal. They don't want any treatment different than anybody else just because they got hit. Like, And it really changed my perspective. I was like, man, I mean, I'm not shit-talking the United States. I have a lot of great memories, and, and I'm very proud of my time in the military there. But... It was amazing to put that perspective of, man, I I think we're a little bit wussy on this front because we make such a huge deal out of even a little injury. And these guys, man, my God, like like you just said, it's not a status thing to them. They don't view like, oh, I'm better than somebody else because I had a more badass job or I had a wound and they didn't. It's literally we're all desperately trying to fight for the people we love
2: and we're all on the same team and that makes us all equals. When's the last time an American general, a British general... um has a when's the last time they made a decision i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw an assault there and we're gonna fail and when when's the last time a man had to sacrifice a platoon a company to sacrifice a battalion so that those other two battalions could punch through Yeah, Um korea i think korea Af- i don't afghanistan? I think you'd have to go I... uh, not afghanistan no, not no, no, no 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 i was going to no, say all the way back like, to vietnam possibly like uh world war 2 let's be honest d-day you yeah. know what i mean they they knew those five beaches there the canadians the british the american probably one of them wasn't going to punch through no. and 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 yeah those are my, those are my heroes um and I, and I never understood that. Uh, everyone wants to say Slava Ukraine. There's refugees that ran away here and are living their best life. And some of them should, some of them could have stayed and helped. Some need to get the hell out with kids. And they wave that Slava Ukraine, Slava Ukraine. But, but Haruim Slava, glory, to, it's for the dead. It's for the dead.
1: Yeah, one of the things, and this is just getting purely philosophical, because it's not something that I actually think is wrong. But one of the things we've talked about only recently, because, you know, for the first year, you're just doing the shit. Yeah. But we've talked recently. It's going to be tough for me when this thing's over. And the number of people around the world, including not just Ukrainians who who left, like you said, some of them very much needed to. But the Americans, the the Europeans, the people that are all going to take ownership of it. And that's fine. It's good. Because we got I want no everyone to, to be to proud. If we go home. But what I'm saying is, all the people that are going to take ownership of "We did it, Ukraine did it," and sitting here going, "Did you? <laughs> like, did you? Do you have any idea what?" And I'm not talking about myself. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I've I've seen some shit, been You're through some shit, it. but I, I haven't been through it. I haven't been through the shit that a lot of Ukrainians have been through, and 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 to know that those people what they've seen and what they've gone through. And it's going to, again, this is purely philosophical. I don't think it's wrong. The world should celebrate. Everyone should embrace it. Everyone should be excited and everyone should be happy. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm just saying, I know that's going to be an introspective, tough moment for us when we're going, you have no idea what that what that means. Those words you're saying, we finally did it. You don't know what that means. I,
2: I have days now. Uh, I've only ever told one other person, uh, I'm tired. I don't... If I sleep at night, I usually wake up at 4 a.m. and the head don't stop. And there's been times where I'm like, you know what, if that mortar did take off my leg, I could have a rest. Um, I've thought that. And I I know some Ukrainian boys who have days like that too. Um, But... I don't think... Because the world doesn't work that way. It's like the same thing that those people write me, those three-page emails. And they mean well. Mm -hmm. But tourism is gonna to boom in this country after the war and please God like uh, everyone support Ukraine but there's gonna be so many people coming here waving the flag and they're gonna say Slava Ukraine yep. and these people are gonna be tired and they're gonna and and they might not have it left to give and smile and I just hope that people don't think it's ungratefulness it's just they, pain they yeah. I, it's weariness I got i am I'm gonna go do these speaker gigs uh, in Sweden to like a defense uh, committee. Um, and there's people messaging me like, well, like, hey, if you wherever I am, let's have a beer. And do you know I only mm. have one friend who's not Ukrainian in Kiev, Johnny, who was my first YouTube supporter. There's nothing more about him. He don't talk about the war um, because all these melt well-meaning people, I'll talk about it if it's gonna help us here, if it's gonna help us get more supplies. I'll, I'll talk to 10 or more people. I'll talk on a podcast like we're doing. If like time efficient um i i don't want to i don't want to have a beer with you and and like he he's i feel like an asshole but i don't drink i don't have the mental capacity anymore and it's like uh, if you have a dog i'll want to talk about your dog if you're a yeah. boxing fan i'll want to talk about boxing but you won't be able to help yourself you'll mention the war yeah. you'll mention the war yeah. and i i i'm I'm not a special person. I'm not a special person at all. But I've got about better part of 100,000 people that follow me now and, and probably about 20,000 of them are real, like, really support. And, and I don't have it to give. I'm, and I feel bad about that. Well, I do believe that... I, I'm a medic. The, I'm, I'm a fucking YouTuber. Let's be honest. Like, I, the, I, I am everything <laughs> I say I am. Well, but I'm a YouTuber. No. And I, I feel bad about I that I disagree,
1: too, but... but... I, I think that the most, I would say 99.999% of people that would call themselves YouTubers are doing it for the notoriety. And I think it's very obvious in the way that you do it, that it's a means to an end and, and it's exhausting and it's what you're it's actually trying to accomplish. But to, to your point, that's one of the things I've said, cause I have fallen in love with this country. Um, so it's, it's pretty much no secret in my circle that I will never be gone from Ukraine. Right. I'm not saying I'll permanently, like, this will be my only residence, but I will always have a residence here. I want to do the and, EOD um, course, you know, so I can yeah, help with that afterwards. And and so people always ask like the golden question, what are you doing when this is over? What's you thing? And I always say, I'm like, everyone talks about the party in Odessa or this or that. I was like, I'm going to be sitting on a mountaintop somewhere in Crimea with a coffee in my hand by myself, taking some deep breaths. And just drinking the coffee because that's like you were just talking about. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't just sit and talk to all the celebration people as if somebody won the Super Bowl. Like, that's not what this is. This is, this has been an experience for, for a lot of people. And I, and I again will reiterate that a large part of me saying that is because even I haven't been through what some people here have been through. And, And I know how hard it's going to be on them. And we talked about how most of the processing takes place when you leave or when you take a step back. I mean, it's part of the reason everybody on my team has, you know, gone home for a few months at some point. They had to, there's all kinds of stuff at home. I haven't because I know that I will be miserable. Like I know that if I go back to the United States and try to pretend like my head is actually in it. And I hate saying that because I have very good friends who I love dearly who have been supportive, but. I know that where I'll be in my in my headspace if I if I were to step away from I've never done
2: it. Uh, and, uh, I went to Germany to get cars. Um, I came back. It's it's almost thirteen months. I for five days I took sleeping pills that somebody gave me, and I'm in a twelve step program. That's a no no. Uh, I took a half a sleeping pill, um, but I don't I don't sleep uh, four hours max. Um, I don't I don't know what we're gonna do after this. I. Don't even, uh, well,
1: it is Ukraine. I'm, None of us know what we're going
2: to do tomorrow. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm no. really tired, but you're, you're doing good work here. And, and I don't, I'm, I'm pretty effective at what I do. I'm pretty yeah. effective at what I do. So and so, you're doing the right thing too. People because say you got to take care of you. You need some R and R. You need to decompress. You can't put on so, uh, somebody else's mask till you put yours on first. Well, You don't know what I know, and and if I don't make a distinction between a Ukrainian life, people have died because of me. You know, like I, it's not my, whatever it is, what it is. You know, I made a call, and uh, yeah, okay, you're tired. Suck it up. As long as you can do good, uh, and that is the balance. Though, is that people have lived too. As long as
1: you're doing good, and so if at some point it is going to enable you to do more good to recharge i don't think there's anything wrong with that in fact that's what needs to be done and and like you said too it goes back to the i'll use the word inspiration i don't know if it's the proper one for this context but like it's really hard to step away and be like i need to recharge or pull myself out when you know so many ukrainians that are thanklessly just
2: plugging away and continuing to do it without even considering doing that 93rd yeah. brigade doesn't get a break they get yeah. a break when they're told they get a break you know 46 yeah. 28th brigade isn't it yeah. now they don't get a break yeah. um i don't know but there is uh i got nothing left to give oh that's today true. today I oh mean,
1: today that's possible I'm sorry yeah no you're good um and and i don't want this to, you know be a negative note i want this to be real and that's exactly what it is like i told you i am not a public guy. I'm not good with social media. In fact, I, it's, we talk all the time about how the fact like we've been here for, for a year now doing this, um, yeah. the government, the government here has recognized us. All the commanders know us. We don't go anywhere without it being a request. They're asking for us and yet no one on the outside knows we exist. And we have done a shit job of raising money because none of us are good at the public thing. So the, the whole purpose for me doing this podcast is, these authentic moments everyone on the outside can talk about talking points you can do quick interviews with people and get talking points but i i want people to understand what the raw experience what is actually happening over here and that's what you get when you just have somebody who's not a public personality sit down and talk to people
2: uh, it's it's all it is It's yeah. all it is um it's my hero well no, my hero my role model here he went home recently and and i know a bit about it we've we talked once, and and he he's like broken, like and it's like who do you talk to about it? But the only man you want to be beside is a man who doesn't speak your language, and yeah. and just naponio naponio. I'm I understand, and uh, I don't know. But on a high note, um, hit that high note. Let's try to find one here because we've had many. Um, <laughs> we have. okay
1: here let me ask you this because this will be a high note whether it seems like a somber one or not how has this changed you as a person
2: it's uh it's been there's another word for it it's been very confirming um i've always been eccentric i you know, grew up without any other kids around, you know, like I never fit into the group. Uh, I fucked up a lot, but I always try to do the right thing. I always try to do the right thing. And uh, like in the workplace, you know, like everywhere, um, I've always, it's kind of like I came here and I, I knew it was right and I didn't know how it's going to end up. And... Um, a good idea is a good idea and it doesn't matter who it came from and and it's not the rule. Donbass, once you get past that last blog post, it's pure. It's like, uh, there's none of that, oh, you can't do this because it's Tuesday or you don't have this and you need this piece of paper first. And it's like, good is good and evil is evil. And uh, I just, I I always wanted to be a good guy. I always wanted people to think I was a good guy. I wanted to be able to tell myself I was a good guy um but yeah i know i'm a good guy that's i take a lot of comfort out of that and you
1: should i did the right, I, I, I did it's it's the only thing that's going to save our society there's so many problems in society is that everybody needs to break it all the way
2: down to that are you good or evil and are you going to fight for the good you know what I mean? Just simple. None of this. Oh, you did this, but yep. you didn't do that. But, or, or in like our world nowadays, but what did you mean when you said yep. that? Yep.
1: At There's the not... end of the day, are you good? If so, are you going to stick up for the other good people against yeah. evil? If so, done. Good. And it's, it, it's interesting that you bring up that last checkpost thing, because that is such a cathartic moment for me. When you get past that, last test, like you said, after you've passed that last checkpoint, it's, if you see a need, you meet it. Yeah. If you need to do something, you do it. Um, that last because you've could be, you've you passed away, the last judgment. Kilometers There's away. no more judgment. Yeah. Like once you're once you're inside there, it's it's not each man for himself, but on some philosophical level, it is. It's you're now there, you're in the shit, and you you see needs and you meet them. Yeah, yeah. I, I live on the other side of that.
2: Yeah, and
1: um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that is one of the beautiful things that's come out of this is is that simplification of good versus evil which sounds so tacky and cliché but it literally is and it's what's drawn a lot of us combat veterans. We talk about this amongst ourselves all the time is like we've been involved in other conflicts where you're following orders and you're basically fighting for the guy next to you, right? Here, you literally see something that needs done, you know it's good, so you do it. Boom, end of story. Yep. That simple. It's evil people trying to trying to, you know, destroy good people and you're with the good people
2: and it's that simple right. and that's a beautiful thing it's just it's just different it's just yeah. different it's like here no don't here let me give you one of my cheap body bags because it's pretty calm here i'd rather save the good ones for when we're in a hurry but in in that same area you know that guy brought what we did that and then two days later he comes because we had to pull back seven kilometers now i've got we've got power uh, not a generator we've got power we've got a shower we share it with people, they know. Um, we've got water, you don't drink it, but you know. um, And we're bagging up a guy and I'm saying like, use the cheap bag and then two days later he's coming to our house and it's like, we got sushi. You know what I mean? Like people don't understand, this is Europe. Do you yeah. know what I mean? This is Europe. Yep. And he says, uh, and I was like, oh, that's smoked salmon. Do you know why it's smoked? Because of, of the grad on the way here. <laughs> people like, do you need, can I send you a food package? Like well-meaning people yeah. it's like you don't understand.
1: Yeah you don't yeah.
2: understand
1: well trust me it is it is good and therapeutic we just kind of came from a, a dark place in the conversation but so you know you're not the only one that has those dark places and having these conversations with other people that recognize the raw nature of just good people trying to make it and trying to survive it's therapeutic for everybody so i appreciate you taking the time to, and i appreciate everything you're doing um you sound pretty legit too, JD. Well, thanks, buddy. But I uh, think, I, I hope this is not our last time. I doubt that it will be. But um but no, I know that your your Instagram presence hasn't only made the difference that it has in bringing in funds for the specific things that you've purchased. It's made a difference in the, in the optics because there's so many people that have turned this into a right versus left or a blue versus red. Oh my God. And there's so many people who are over mm-hmm. here who are putting themselves out as big public images of what's happening in Ukraine that are kind of tainting it. One of my biggest beefs is that a lot of people that are supporting Ukraine, and I'm using air quotes for anyone who's listening are not representing ukrainians and that they're being condescending and they're being attacking and they're being rude and i'm like if you're gonna say you support ukraine you should probably act like ukrainians because they'd all be ashamed of the way you're behaving right now so positive authentic figures like yourself who are actually showing just the raw here's what's happening here's how beautiful these people are it doesn't just bring you money for what you're doing it changes people's perspectives on this so it's a it's a huge thing that you're doing man it's awesome Uh, Not to mention the hands-on stuff that you're doing here. Everybody,
2: everybody. Like, there's people who help us overseas, you know, who don't let this go. There's uh, there's people in Ukraine from Kiev. There's people who don't give a shit. Uh, Let's not kid ourselves. No, of course. But it's like the whole world of love. We've got millions of people supporting us. With all the money my tax money pays for that. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, no, but people are giving these people... uh, It don't... It's... What it all comes down to, and I'm no political, but... The, there's no, there's a few hundred thousand men in Donbass right now, and women. There's The, it, the millions and millions, of, it all comes down to a few hundred thousand people holding the line in Donbass. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Nothing else matters, to me anyway.
1: Yeah, no. And that's, like I said, that's pure. And I will say, this is definitely, you know, if I was to answer the question, how has this changed me, this has restored my faith in humanity. I was at a point where I really really didn't think I had a dog in the fight in this world outside of my very small group of close friends, because I was so disappointed in all of fucking society and humanity and to come here and see people come from all over the place. and, And it's been overwhelming. And then to kind of find this whole society of people here that I didn't know exists of Ukrainians that are almost all like that. Like you said, not everybody, there's people that don't give a shit in every society, but certainly an inspiring group of people here in Ukraine. And then, add to it the amount of foreigners that came in from new zealand from everywhere to do things the andrews and chris's of the world who are the last one you would expect
2: and they gave their lives and
1: they gave their lives and it's it is it does renew my faith in humanity that hey there's still a lot of shit out there but there is a core group of people who will say our government's not going to go help fine i will so i didn't want to leave it in the
2: hands of experts
1: Really appreciate you taking the time to talk. And I definitely echo that I don't think this will be the last time we have a chat. Might be the last time we chalk on here for a while, but definitely. Yeah. Uh,
2: um, this is going into like Jocko and, and Joe Rogan lengths.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I am ai like to hear people talk, man. So I'm happy about it. Yeah. I'm no Jocko or Joe Rogan, but I'm happy about the fact that we got to dig deep. So this has been cool. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, I do want to say, you know, towards the end, we got, uh, we got very transparent and it it definitely ceased to become a podcast for us. Um, And that was kind of two guys venting. Um, And it was, it was emotional for both of us that carried over after the, uh, after the recording was finished. Um, I want to clarify and make clear that, we both and and he didn't say anything to the contrary but i said something that was to the effect of it's going to be tough for me when when people from outside of ukraine come to celebrate at the end and i just want to clarify that i am immensely grateful for the amount of people that have found whatever way they can contribute and and have stood by ukraine and support from all over the world i know that everyone is making a massive impact and that no, uh, no support is less important than any other support. And I really do hope that the world does come and celebrate, uh, with Ukraine. This is, this is an undertaking for a lot of people around the world. For me, my concern that, that I was attempting to raise in that conversation is that for a lot of people, um, we're going to be very, very glad that it's over um, But it's going to be a very painful time uh, In these situations When you see things day to day Or or you spend a period of time in a situation Where, where you're losing people that matter to you Where you're meeting people um, And getting to know them Knowing that in 72 hours they might not still be alive um, when, when you're having these this reality most of it doesn't get processed uh until it's finally over and that's not just a defense mechanism it's a survival method um and so when this war is over it's going to be uh for a lot of people it's going to be more of a grab the person you care about and just, you know we finally did it we finally got through this sort of a feeling and and i know that it will be difficult uh It'll be difficult for everybody. Um, you know, the celebration, the the excitement will, uh, will be difficult to match uh, with a lot of hurting people. And then I hope, as Brandon so adequately put it, um, accurately would be the better word. Um, a lot of people that are hurting um, might not meet the expectations of people that come here to celebrate. And so I hope that everybody just understands that, that this hasn't just been a hoorah, let's go get it. For, for a lot of people, this has been, can I survive another hour? Um, can I keep from falling apart for another day? Um, and so it's, it's going to be difficult at the end, but I did not want there to be any, um, any perceived ungratefulness on my part because there are so many people doing way more than what i'm doing there's so many people doing incredible things uh from all over the world and and i'm aware of that i'm extraordinarily grateful for that the ukrainian people are extremely grateful for that and i do sincerely hope everybody uh does celebrate what's going to be a very important very important uh victory at the end uh again thank you for listening And uh, if you enjoyed it, I'd ask that you hit like, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, Anything you can do to help support would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, shasliva i slava Ukraini!